Hello, and welcome back to Palaver, a BMX podcast with Chris Doyle. Do I need to keep saying my name in the intro? Because I feel like by now people know who's hosting the show. Um, it's starting to sound weird to me, but maybe that's because I just overanalyze these things a little too much. Anyways, my next guest is Stu Johnson. The videos that Stu has made, the projects that he's contributed to, have had a huge impact on BMX and I, I think have kind of changed the landscape of uh, BMX video making and uh, and riding as well. I, I know that the stuff that, that he's done really changed the game for guys from my generation and you'll hear us talk a lot about that in the interview and um, I guess it's not even really just my generation. He's had a profound impact on so many generations now because he's been around for so long and it was really interesting to kind of hear um, how it all came to be and, and where he's been, where he's at, where he's going. And uh, I'm really appreciative of Stu sitting down and talking with me uh, for this interview because I know Stu hates talking about himself. He's a great storyteller, but he just really, you can tell he does not like talking about himself. But um, I, was, I was really excited when he, uh, when he said he'd do it. So um, I hope you guys like it. I'm not going to talk too much, but I hope you guys like it. And um, looking forward to the feedback as always. So enjoy. This is Stu Johnson. All right, guys, we're up and running. Um, I want to start this out by saying that I don't toss around the word legend. Oh. Here we go. <laughs> I don't toss it around very freely, but uh, hey, Chris, can we make this about Stu? Um, I really. <laughs> but I'm joined here by two legends who are also assholes. But uh, uh, people that in my world I would consider legends. Um, my co-host for today's podcast interview is none other than Van Homan. Van flew all the way from Japan just to be here on this podcast. Um, Committed. Absolutely. Together with myself, me and Van are going to be interviewing Stu Johnson. Uh, and now I don't want to speak, you know, for you, Van, here, but uh, I'm going to say this: like I, the stuff that that you've made, Stu, the the videos that you've done, the and the things that you've been a part of had a profound effect on the rider that I am, and and probably Van as well. No, I think that's definitely fair to say. 1201 was pretty much my bible as a kid, so. That was one of my first, like, B real BMX videos. So how's your ego right now? <laughs> uh, yeah, a little weird. A little weird. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. But, uh, but thank I, try, you. I try and stay on the other end of the camera. I know, I know. That's what I'm For like. For the most part. This yeah, is like as kinda, much as I can. This, so. this is kind of like a childhood dream. Like, this is like. <laughs> oh, I, my God. You we, guys are going. We've been on oh, so outrageous. countless <laughs> trips together, and I'm always asking you questions about, uh, like, you know, different time periods and things mm -hmm. that you've been a part of. And, yeah. And, uh. You're always like, you're really good at telling the stories of it all, and I will say though, like knowing you, uh, you talking about yourself—that's usually your least favorite topic. Yeah, so yeah, um, the fact that I get to sit here and just kind of grill you on on yourself and on the things that you've been a part of and the things you've done means a lot to me. So I really appreciate it. You're welcome. I appreciate you having me on here. All right. It's funny to me that we're at the X Games and there's. 50 insane riders out there, and for some reason you're interviewing an old pheasant. Stupid. Those guys don't have the <laughs> stories yet, man. Like, they're all good dudes, but, like, I like the stories. I like the meat, you know? 
Uh, wait, someone's gonna take a sound bite of that. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, incriminating yourself. But okay, so um, your story starts in uh, a place that a lot of people, um, a lot of people know about. A lot of people might not know about. But you're from Fort Wayne, Indiana, correct? Yeah, actually, uh, before Fort Wayne, Auburn, Indiana, which is about a really small town, like 30 miles north of Fort Wayne, which is it's yeah, I mean it's very it's mostly obscure unless you're like a car collector because it's it's no it's like home of the classic Auburn cars and they have like a crazy car auction every year where like the dudes from ZZ Top come and buy cars and all these famous people. But but it's like it's a really small town. Like there's no reason you would have ever heard of it unless you were a car collector. Oh okay yeah well I, gosh I'm learning stuff already. Yeah. look at that. Lived there till I was 15. And then did your family move to Fort Wayne? Yes, both my parents worked in Fort Wayne and the scene, bike riding scene in Auburn, it was just a couple friends, you know, but they, by the time we were 15, they were like about ready to get cars and they were out of it and then there was a good riding scene in Fort Wayne and my folks worked, both worked in Fort Wayne and I'm like, hey, let's talk about moving to Fort Wayne, you know, so I could ride more. Like, oh, wow. Ride with a good crew. Um, so, uh, I wanted to know, like, what was the scene like? So there was a scene in Auburn. Uh, I mean, it was just a few a few guys, but um, but down in Fort Wayne, there was already like a Fort scene. Wayne is a racing scene. There was an established track, Rock Hill BMX okay. uh, track, you know. And if you're if you have any racing knowledge, you know, it was like Scotty Yokelet, Barry McManus, you know, Jody Donnelly, and a few other dudes, you know. Like, I mean, it was a really good, healthy racing scene there. So. Okay. So you moved down there, and, and, and did that kind of become your crew? Like, was it the guys that you were riding with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of those dudes, uh, Barry was, you know, was kind of just racing dude. You know, we didn't really ride with him much outside of the track or whatever. But, like, Scott Yokelet and Jody Donnelly some, and a guy named Rich Hoppy. Okay. Uh, Barry, uh, jo Jody, Jamie Simon, actually, a couple dudes, so... Yeah, I, I think uh, the name, one of the names you mentioned, Scotty Yokelet, like one of the most underrated oh God, guys yeah. of all time. Yeah, like, um, there was like a, but it, those who knew knew, you mm -hmm. know, like those, if you were like in the know, you knew the Scotty Yokelet. No, no, I saw him riding trails just like a couple of years ago, and he's still oh, shredding. Still so oh good. yeah, hell, he just he's just yeah. got style. He's like you know, he had a lot of people that you know, he's not as obviously as high profile or as accomplished as BF, but. He's a dude that BF is like, yeah, this is a guy, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah, he definitely. Um, I was, uh, after Mikey won the Dew Tour mm -hmm. out in Salt Lake, they're interviewing him. They're like, so, well, like, talk a little bit about, like, some of your influences growing up. And he's like, yeah, you know, I was like, it's Christopher, Scotty Yokelet, and he names off a few other names. And, and I was like, whoa, Yokelet. And I told, uh, I saw Yokelet over the, over the winter, and I'm like, hey, mm -hmm. man, did you ever see that interview with, Scott, with, uh, with Mikey? And he's like, yeah, man, that like made my year. That was like the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah, like, yeah, it doesn't just naturally gifted, you know. Like uh, Scotty, when it came to racing, he was about half the size of most of the guys that he was beating, you know. But but he just he was just born to ride a bike. Yeah, you know? had that skill. Yeah, like similar sure. to BF. But. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was um, born with it. So I don't want to jump over thing, anything too important. So I'm trying to go like pre Fat House. Yeah. Um, so that was like kind of like your scene. You mentioned like Jody Donnelly and, and mm -hmm. uh, Scotty Yucalette and, and those guys. But uh, I kind of want to just get to the Fat House. Um, <laughs> how old were you when the Fat House? Actually, t talk about what the Fat House was and kind of how it came to be and like what was your age? Uh, well, I met at South Park National. It's probably been like 92-ish. Um, I went to South Park National and ended up going to Push. You know, I'd, I'd known Justin Short. I don't know, you know, whoever knows yeah. Justin Short, yeah. uh, PA legend, one of the guys that started Push with Stig. Um, so we went to we went to Push and met Crandall, Tag, Gilly. They were there, you know, um, and became pen pals with Crandall. 
Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> became pen pals with Crandall. Aging can, ourselves. Yeah, 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 if you can believe <laughs> that. Pals. Yeah, pen pals. We actually would write letters once in a while or, you know, shoot the breeze on the phone or whatever. But, but um, so the next year, him, you know, they were graduating high school and Crandall was trying to get me to move to Ithaca. And I said, no, why don't you just move to Indiana, you know? And I, I probably talked it up a bunch. Oh, yeah, we got a local track. We had, uh, we had a skate park at the time, but it was about to close down. So for some reason, he just said, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And they actually got like a U-Haul truck and moved all their stuff. And they came to Fort Wayne with the premise that they were going to live in a, in a warehouse with Jody Donnelly. He was supposedly going to start a skate park. He had some ramps. They were never even really assembled. They were all just kind of half-ass. And uh, they got to Fort Wayne, and then within a month, the building, you know, a month or two, the building, uh, they ended up not being able to keep it. And they were kind of almost, you know, like had no place to live. So that was what you know, prompted them to get a house. Basically, it was like Jody Donnelly, Crandall, Tag, Gilly, uh, Joe DeGerda. They got a house, you know, and that ended up being the fat house, which is, you know, kind of notorious in the Midwest for BMXers living there. So I find this interesting because from, from like my perspective, and I would think yours, so a place like Fort Wayne, Indiana, <laughs> like the mid, kind of like nowhere, nothing yeah, important, yeah. nowhere anyone would be, and from like your videos and from like scene reports and props mm -hmm. like this suddenly somewhere for me that became the holy grail yeah. like I want to go to Fort Wayne I want to even like I want to live in Fort Wayne mm -hmm. like this yeah. became like some kind of dreamland for BMXers that they wanted to be at so like yeah. I think like probably something you would, were about to get to Chris but like so what made it like so magical that made like people I, and again, I, I hope I can speak for you in this. Totally. Ma yeah. Made people like us want to be there and be part of that scene so badly when it's like, it's nothing. You guys yeah. lived in a, in a yeah. you were poor people living in a <laughs> shitty house. Like, yeah. And we wanted to that, be you. Like, I mean, that was the big factor, <laughs> economics, you know. When you have 15, 12, 15 people living in a house and your rent is 75 bucks a month and that includes utilities, that you know affords you a lot of free time to ride or do whatever you want you know so we had it we had it you know those like especially like tag and gilly those were the guys that you know we had the ravine but it wasn't like established you know it was a couple jumps that were not that great but those guys didn't have to work real jobs they had you know they would work a few hours here a few hours there and they would just spend all their time with the trails digging you know so the, the trails got you know incredible it was just it was just bmx 24 7 because you didn't have to worry about you know the bills, the, you know, all this, whatever. We were living in a ghetto house that was just like, you know, there were no rules. You know, it was all these guys who were a year or two out of high school and you're just like on your own running wild in the streets. So how you know? much was your rent at the fact? Yeah, it was like seven, at the cheapest, it was like 75 bucks a month. <laughs> and that was, that included utilities. Jeez. Yeah, it's not even joking. Uh, it's true what Van said. Like, you know, when I was a kid, I'm like, man, that must be so awesome to go to the fat house, like yeah. to be a part of that scene. Because you guys just made it look so awesome yeah. with, with you know in the videos and everything mm -hmm. and uh, I remember like a guy you know Corey Muth yeah. used to go up there and yeah. stay I'm like you got to go to the fat house <laughs> and, and he'd be like yeah man that place is 
that place is grimy. I'm like, but who cares, man? Yeah. It's like, it's like you said, BMX 24-7. Mm-hmm. When, you know, Van and I are kids, you know, we're like, that's all you want, yeah. right? It's like yeah. the BMX 24-7. Yeah. And, and another thing, too, is the, the location was pretty central. You know, Midwest is like, Push was six hours away, you know, Chicago, Scrap was, you know, four hours away, or, you know, Davenport, six hours away for... Uh, <laughs> six for, hours, like, it's the best <laughs> yeah, I mean, that I mean, close. But, but, I mean, it's close enough to where, like, oh, you know, we can go to that event this weekend, we can go yeah. to the other contest in a couple weeks, or this jam, or whatever, you know, and <laughs> with, um, you know... The props guys starting props. I mean, scrap. The scene in the Midwest was big, you know, and and even Dayton, a couple hours away. Louisville, a few hours away. It's like any direction you go, a few hours. Like you had good scenes, you know, and it just that was the thing. We'd we'd go visit. We'd go hang out with someone for a weekend, and then they'd come to our spot, you know, next week, and then before you knew it, just everybody was like coming to town and yeah, staying. And I mean, and it helped too. The Gillian Tag made sick trails, you know, like for the time. It's Oh yeah, did you ever ride the ravine? I never got to. No, Dude, me either. No, unfortunately, that In and Out, In and Out, man. I wanted to ride that so bad. I still like if I came across. Is it still? Is the ravine still there? No, I got plowed like oh, okay. seven years ago. Or I something. wanted to I'm ride that sure. jump so bad. Dude, like, you would it was see like so the coolest fun. tricks go down. Like you probably see a lot of tricks that you didn't need to see go down. <laughs> True, <laughs> but, but like, but it was fun. It was just you know you just that was. That was it. You know, you're, just ex- you're playing around, experimenting. Speaking of how many times have like, you double bar spin the ravine? The ravine? Yeah. I don't know, man. A handful of times, but. <laughs> <laughs> When's the last time you did a double bar spin? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Probably last time I lived in Fort Wayne. <laughs> I don't remember. That was one thing. It's been I'm, a long time ago. I wanted to touch on, too. Like, a lot of people have never seen Stu Johnson's clips riding a bike, but. You were pretty good. Like I know uh, you're. I mean, you're a modest guy. I know. But I had like, a couple tricks that were fun to do, and I did them probably way more than I should have. But uh, a lot of bar spin combos. A lot of bar spin combos. But yeah, it was uh, fun. a name you'll appreciate, Glenn Johnson. Glenn Johnson. <laughs> a, a few uh, a few years ago, I was like, dude, have you ever seen Stu ride? I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, dude, he's, I think he saw maybe like the bars closed, or uh, some older video where you do mm-hmm. like a half bar spin to full bar spin. Uh huh. And he like that blew his mind. He was like, "Dude, that was crazy. No one does that. No one's doing a trick like that." And uh, like, just to let you know, like he was really appreciative of of that That's trick. Funny, yeah. yeah, I mean it was fun to do. You know, it's just from one bar spinner. Yeah, exactly. To another. Just, just riding. You know, He's, some tricks come easier to you than others, and you just kind of play with them and have fun and whatever. It's not. It's not like I was doing them over some crazy, you know, backyard chasm or something. But Dude, a straight double bar spin, I think, is crazy now. Like I think, like if I see yeah. someone do a straight double, like, straight doubles are so good. Dude, it's crazy. Like Dennis is you know, doing all oh, the yeah, straight yeah, double. Yeah. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Like I'm stoked whenever I see it come out. <laughs> like fun. to me, that's still a big mm-hmm. trick. Yeah. And I mean, you were doing it. Yeah, ninety three, ninety four. They're so much prettier than the like catch throw. Like, um, I always associated the uh, the catch catch with Chris Duncan. Oh, so when, <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, that was like his deal, though. He would do like three of them. Uh, so then when like Garrett started doing it, like Garrett started doing it out of rails. Yeah, I'm but, like, but, but Garrett kind of has a different style. He like he doesn't fully catch it. He kind mm. of just like keeps. Passing it, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So it's a little different. It's a little different. Still it's, not a straight it double. It ain't a straight double. Like imagine yeah. like up rail to straight, like yeah. suey double or something. Anyway, so I think Chris, I don't want to skip ahead. So we, can, if if I do, I'm sorry. Like we can always rewind. But I, it, it's interesting to me to hear you saying like, oh, this was only six hours away. This was only four hours away. This was only three hours away. And so like I feel like. The Stu Johnson I know, even to modern day, has kind of a nomad spirit. And you, 
tend to always own a van and you're always willing to just like travel with the guys and film. And I feel like for a lot of people, as they get older in their mid 40s, they don't want to be in the van with the kids trying to film BMX anymore. But you seem to still be willing to just like be on the road nonstop and even drive you know you'll have an event halfway across the country and you're like oh, i'll just drive the van like as yeah. if it's no big deal yeah. um so like do you feel like those early days kind of conditioned you for that or do you feel like that was just always in your soul and that's who you are or like how do you view that well i mean i grew up i grew up racing like i mean i started riding bmx when i was like i mean you know it was kind of the stereotypical beginnings you know you're you have a little BMX bike when you're five years old and you have the piece of wood propped up on the other piece of wood in the middle of the street and the whole neighborhood's there jumping jumping off of it, you know. But um, probably when I was around, you know, 11-ish, I had a good friend and his he had an older brother that rode motorcycles, but my friend rode BMX, but his brother, you know, he, he had motorcycle magazines and then he came home one day with like a super BMX and freestyle or BMX plus or whatever it was, you know, and that's when we started like seeing racing, you know. And like, you know, some stunt stunt stuff here and there, whatever. But like, I kind of was like, oh yeah, racing is cool, you know? Like, found out about a friend of mine uh, named Jeremy Ingle took me to a race. This is in Auburn, you know, so it's still in like the small town. But I, this guy, Jeremy Ingle, was like five years older than me and he rode freestyle and he raced. He had a quarter pipe, like, like the, <laughs> the six foot tall, you know, very narrow white quarter pipe with hutch painted on it. And he rode a hutch and like, he was... He was a killer rider. He, you know, we lived in a small town, but he was blasting like six, seven foot airs, you know, doing some stuff. And then he would like race too. So he was like kind of an all around rider, you know, he could do Miami hoppers and whatever. But I went to a race with him one day and I was just like, whoa, this is, you know, from living in a small town, there's only five dudes that ride BMX bikes and you go to a race and there's, you know, a hundred people that are riding BMX bikes Mm -hmm. and you're just like whoa this is like the coolest thing i've ever seen you know and you see like real dirt jumps as opposed to just like the fly out the weird fly out down the street and uh so i got into racing you know i think i started racing i was like 13 and got really into it for a few years and you know race novice beginner novice and then got it you know started racing expert a little bit but then that's when i really really started appreciating the travel you know okay we're going to go to a national in north carolina and my dad would drive me you know and then but you would see all these dudes that you had met a couple months earlier at the Christmas Classic in Columbus, mm-hmm. you know? And you'd go cruising with them and you'd ride with them and these guys were like your friends. They're this community that you'd, you just happened to meet up with them in all these different states, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and just that sense of, you know, like I, I was never really much of a competitive racer. I didn't really, you know, it wasn't like, oh yeah, I wanna beat these guys and I wanna get like sponsored or whatever. It was just, it was fun, but it was it was more fun meeting up with these dudes and going cruising through the neighborhoods in between motos. Yeah, you know? it seems like yeah. it's almost second, like the race was almost secondary oh, to yeah, like for meeting sure. up with for these sure. guys. For sure, and you know, by the time I was like, I think I, I think my last race I was probably like 17 and I was just like, oh, this is kind of a waste of money just racing when I don't even really care about the racing. You know, I wanna ride some dirt jumps and just cruise with these guys who have a lot of common interests. You know, because in that at that time, you know that's ninety. You know, then that's it's like late eighties, early nineties. Uh, a lot of racers were dirt jumpers. There wasn't there. Was, there were some guys that were just strictly racers, but you know, it was you know S and M guys that, uh, riding S and M. Definitely and, more crossover. Yeah, you, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like oh wow, I went to this race and I just pedaled around the neighborhood with Dave Clymer and like some of these other you know like Moeller yeah. or whoever and. 
and that was just like that was the you know you're probably out being hooligans a little bit and just like pissing people off and like riding through places you shouldn't be riding or whatever you know but it was just like fun it was mischievous and you're like exploring these different cities that you're in you know like and that's I think that's where it where it definitely got sparked. Where it kind of like blossomed yeah, from yeah, from there. Yeah. yeah. So it, like yeah. it's like Van, Van, you're a really good co-host, by the way. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like so it sounds like exactly how you guys said it. Like yeah. it was like kind of ingrained in you. Like yeah. it's that sense of community. You can go oh, to other sure. places around the country and now like around the world. Yeah. You're like yeah. Oh, you ride BMX and you're like you you're meet, bros. Yeah. Right? You meet yeah. someone you've never met this person. You don't know them. You don't really even know anything about them. And you meet them and you have this common bond. And before the end of the weekend, you're like. Yeah, come stay at my house sometime, or you know, or right. I'll come through your, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's just it's tight. Yeah, know? I mean, so I think that's one of the most special things about BMX. It seems to be a family, no yeah. matter where you go in the world. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I just moved to Japan, and I instantly have friends through BMX, mm-hmm. and and like, you know, you have the same, and maybe, you know, maybe embellish or correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's maybe also that encourages your traveling spirit because. You can go to any city and connect mm-hmm. with somebody, or um, meet up with somebody, yeah. or kind of uh, uh, touch base yeah. you know, and, with and, old friends. And, yeah, and they'll give you like an insight as to oh, this is a cool place locally to go. You know, it's like you have that insight. Yeah, you have insight, and and uh, you know you get to go to the cool spots. You get to yeah. see the things that make that city unique and fun, and and it, yeah, it's just meeting new people and. And uh, exploring get, different places, it just it, it broadens your horizons. Yeah. You know, it's like oh wow, you get wow. to eat the food that you want to. Like, yeah, food, exactly, the local food. exactly. Yeah. 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 Before, before uh, what's the what's the app? Before um, Happy Cow. Before Happy Cow, <laughs> you know, you had friends in every city that could show you the good veggie spots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, remember, I remember being on a road tools with you, and like I think maybe like two or three days prior, you were already talking about getting to California and eating at uh, Wheel, Wheel of, of Life. Life. Oh, yeah, 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 man. It's like, it's like, geez, man, he's yeah. really, he likes his food. Yeah, the, I mean, those spots, to me, they're as important as the good riding spots, you know? You had a quote that I've, I've told you before. You go, yeah, Doyle, you ride the shit. I eat it. <laughs> <laughs> I used to try to distract Stu when we drive by a Whole Foods so that he wouldn't make a stop there. Oh, oh it's hilarious. Yeah, everyone used to dread going to Whole Foods. I'd make them go to Whole Foods, and now everyone wants to go to the Whole Foods. Yeah. You were ahead of your time, yeah. man, like no, eating I healthy, still eating healthy. So okay, living in the fat house, uh, fat house life seemed like. Looking back, you know, when I was a kid, I was like, that looks like the best time ever. Uh But it was pretty grimy living. Um, How many people at one point were like living at the fat? I mean, that it would vary all the time. There would be guys that would move in for a month and out, you know, in and out, and just like whatever. Like actually, when the when the fat house started, I didn't live there for like the first year. Because oh, wow. I okay. still lived at my, you know, my dad's house, okay. my parents' house. Um, so I'd be over there all the time. But you know, then within a year or whatever, I moved in. You know, but I think that first year was really crazy. It was a lot of people coming in and you know trying it out and whatever. So I, I think at the most, I probably heard maybe like fourteen or fifteen people. It was an upstairs and a downstairs apartment, but it was one house. You know. Okay. So there was definitely there was like you know three or four rooms upstairs and down each each level and. But there were, you know, dude, there were dudes living out on the back porch. Uh, uh, people sharing rooms. Like me and Chris Holman were roommates. Like we shared a room for a while when he lived there. Okay. Yeah. Um, who in the household? Who started picking up the camera first? Like who was like? Okay, we got a lot of badass shit going mm-hmm. on. We got the ramp out back. Yeah. Um, like who was like? I need to start well, documenting. He, well, this. the thing was, um, you know, Crandall and Tag and Gilly. They moved there, right? So when they were back in Ithaca, they had a public access show. 
because they wanted to use the, they wanted to use cameras and whatever, so they could get them from the local public access station. But you know, the catch was you have to produce a show, you know, okay. to, to to check out these cameras or whatever. So they had the show called WD Forty, and it was like a call-in show. <laughs> it, it was so ridiculous. Yeah, it was so ridiculous. You know, people would call in and just cuss them out, and they would you know just. Justin Short, like playing bass, like in a diaper or something, you know. Right. But, but but so th so those guys, they had they were used to playing around with cameras, you know, quite a bit. Um, when they came to Fort Wayne, they did the same thing, public access, so they had the cameras. Uh, you know, I would so they would do that, and they were they were they were playing around with cameras. They made a video probably like right when they moved to Fort Wayne called "One Footed Dead Sailor," and that was '94. And it's got a I lot believe. of footage. Or, or not? Excuse me. Yeah, that was. Late 93 to 94, yeah, and that's got a lot of early Fat House footage. And it's got a lot of the footage from the public access Public access show. shows okay, in yeah. too, yeah. I mean, Kip also, I, don't, I can't remember exactly if Kip moved there right when they started the house, but he might have actually owned, he might have actually owned a camera. I'm not really sure. Kip Williamson. Right. Um, and th yeah. is that when he made Juvenile Trickery? It was all within the couple, yeah, I think he made, he might have made a video called Express Yourself before that that was like uh, the year before. Maybe he was going to college and... You know, had a camera or whatever, but yeah, juvenile trickery and uh, alternative forms of transportation. Those right. are the two videos he made his time during the, during his stay at the Fat House. You know, okay. is he not originally from Fort Wayne? Is he he's from Kendallville, which it's, it's like forty, it's like 30, 40 minutes north of Fort Wayne. It, it's kind of actually, it's really close to where I was born in Angola, Indiana. But it's just yeah, it's just, just a small town, not a lot going on there. But you know, Fort Wayne was kind of the hub in north northern Indiana. Okay. You know? I, I think it's worth mentioning too, although probably a lot of the listeners are people from our generation <laughs> for such a podcast. Mm -hmm. But I still think it's worth mentioning that this is like an era and a time where like cameras were not easy to come oh, by. No. Not everybody yeah. had a camera in their pocket. Yeah. And especially as young, like poor BMX riders, mm -hmm. like acquiring a, ca a camera to like document your riding and your lives was kind of something special oh, yeah. that yeah. like maybe a lot of people don't have. Like maybe people wish they had. Like the fact that there's so much footage from places like this is kind of spe a special thing, really. Yeah. It's oh, ridiculous yeah. to think that so many videos came out of that, out of that one house. Oh, we're gonna get there. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna <laughs> get there, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but as far as like, as, and I mean, I don't know if I'm going ahead far of your questions, but like the, the what I did in high, in high school, you know, like. I was obsessed with BMX Action Magazine, right? You know, I'm just, in some freestyling too, but mostly BMX Action. I'm just looking at all these Wendy Osborne photos of Chris Moeller and Tim Fuzzy Hall, and you know, and, and I'm just like obsessed with them, like reading them in class when I'm supposed to be reading my textbook, you know, typical whatever. And uh, so I was really, you know, because video wasn't really, a, wasn't a thing, you know. Yeah. There was, there might've been a couple videos out then. This is when I was, you know, the end of middle school or whatever, you know, so that's 88 or something, you know, you just, people didn't have video cameras, but, you know, there were some photographers like, you know, Wendy and Spike Jones, and they were just doing incredible work, you know, like the crazy fisheye, a lot of stuff that you almost be like, oh, that's like a dig style photo these days, like a crazy fisheye and a wild, you know, like part of the rider is chopped off, but it just looks like so insane. You yeah, know? It's, um, it's got like an old aesthetic that, yeah, yeah, that isn't a, really as, as captured as yeah. much anymore. So in high school, I had the opportunity to take a, a photography class. So I took one for a couple of years, you know, and shot a lot of BMX photos and I loved it. Um, you know, I never, I never thought, oh, that's something you could, it, it's kind of weird, you know, I was into BMX and getting into photography and whatever, but I never, no one ever said, oh, that's, you know, if you work hard at it, that's something you can do for a career, you know? Right. Especially at that time, you're looking at the magazines and they're all based in California. Yeah. And that seems like another planet. It just seems like unattainable, like, 
you know, at that age, I probably even know how far away California was. I just knew it was like, you know, nowhere close to the Midwest. Right. right. But so that's kind of where you know I, I had I had really like fallen in love with like the visual side of BMX. Oh, wow. um, yeah. So but then I graduated. I didn't have a dark room. I think my camera broke, and I didn't really you know. So I kind of put it down. You know, I, I just put it down. I didn't really have the resources to keep doing it. But and you know, like you said, the video cameras were rare. I think Scott Yokolet's mom might have had a video camera. So once in a while, he'd bring it out to the skate park or the track, you know. And since everyone was terrible at filming, you know, it's bad. But since I had shot photos, I, you know, I kind of could keep the guys in frame and do whatever, you know. So it was, I would always get handed the video camera, you know. Yeah, for a so you years. already had an eye that was kind of developed for, for BMX if you had been like shooting photos. Then. Yeah, I guess just, yeah. yeah, that from looking at those magazines, like, you know, just studying them and just like obsessed with them, you, you know, it's like, you know, and there was there was actually a photographer who had contributed some stuff to some BMX actions named Mark Snavely, and I don't even really remember meeting the dude, but he was from Fort Wayne, and I remember uh, he did a photo shoot with Barry McManus for BMX Action, and he got like a you know like an index page or whatever, uh, and and like you're watching it with your eye, you're like, oh, that's like he just did a cool trick, and then you see the photo, and you're like, oh my God, that's magic, the way they made it look, you know, yeah. with like the flashes, and the, it just like, it, yeah, it just seemed like you could take something that looked. It was cool, but it was like kind of, oh, that's kind of neat. And then you just look at it when you see the finished product, you're like, wow, this is magic. It, it helps sell the sport. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you see a picture like that, like even though you knew maybe yeah. like it wasn't as as glamorous as it looked in mm -hmm. a picture. Yeah. Like the way that like you know that that gets people into it. They see mm -hmm. a, a tr you know maybe a trick that was done you know a foot off the ground, but yeah. it looks like he's ten feet in the air yeah, and yeah, like yeah. he's all twisted up and like. Uh, yeah, that like helps that drives the sport that gets yeah. people into it. Like that yeah. looks badass. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Yeah. So um, I'm glad you shared that because that's not really in my notes. Like uh, yeah, yeah, it's probably never really told anyone. That I took photography in high school for a couple of years, but I'm honored, man. Oh, no that's problem. great. <laughs> so, so I I find that really interesting. Like that you you kind of mentioned like that there wasn't really BMX videos back then. Maybe there was a few yeah. things like a GT how to a GT video demo tape or something or like yeah. something weird, but there really wasn't BMX videos and so you're kind of in a way like the pioneer of of BMX videos which well I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. I'm not saying there wasn't but. ones before you, but like for guys like me and Chris, like you you were the first time we could see that type of riding and also that type of personality. Mm -hmm. So like you said, we we wanted to be poor people living in a house with 15 <laughs> guys because of you. Well, like that's what we I wanted. I don't know if that was totally because you're, of me. You're speaking like, this is our generation. I would have to say yeah. Crandall's a lot um, to blame for that too. <laughs> well, uh, I feel like a name that needs to be mentioned, which a name that you've already brought up is Mike Tag. Yeah, yeah. And it seemed like uh, you and Mike Tag were the ones that really started you know, uh, doing a lot of the video stuff. I mean, we already mentioned Kip, and uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if you if, if there was more contributions uh, to videos that go you know before my notes, but like uh, twelve oh one was you and Tag. Yeah, twelve oh one was like the, that. Okay, so like I said, the FBM guys moved to Fort Wayne the end of ninety three, I believe it was, and they and they made a video. You know, this video I said one foot a dead sailor, and that was Crandall and Tag and Gilly, and everyone's passing the camera around or whatever, you know. Um, and that was cool because I was like, oh, my friends just made a video. You know, it's like you could always see, you know, at the time, yeah, there was a GT demo tape or there was a couple things here and there, you know, uh, some random whatever. Um, head first, 
you know, Eddie Roman. So it, that's gonna, I mean, I'm gonna say it right now, that's the, probably the number one influence for me when it comes to videos. But actually seeing like Crandall and Tag and Gilly kind of make this video, even though it was like way super sketchy yeah. and just like the quality was piss poor, you know. Um, you know, and I had already been doing some other projects with like t-shirts and other stuff, but it was like, it's like, oh, this is cool. You guys made a video, like it's fun, you know. And videos are, you know, if they're done properly, you, know, you have a, some cool songs and you have a vibe with like your crew and whatever, you know. Um, it was fun. But so after they did that video, Tag was kind of like wanting to do his own thing, you know. Like I think him and Crandall had just, you know, they'd been good friends forever, and they probably like love love hate relationship where they love each other, but then they want to strangle each other, you know, the next minute. Um, and Tag was Tag had blown out his knee, right? So this is '95, beginning of '95 or end of '94. He had blown out his knee, and you know Mike still wanted to travel to all the jams. He wanted to be around BMX, uh, but he couldn't couldn't ride, couldn't participate. Right. You know, so his thing was like, I'm gonna get a video camera. And I'm just gonna whatever. You know, so that whole year '95, that was, you know, we were driving around, we were going to the jams like usual, push jam. Yeah, you know, we did or push. We got kill yourself jam. You know, and and, uh, you know, I was doing a lot more writing than I was filming then, you know, because I just, you know, I wasn't like thinking, hey, we're going to make this video or whatever. And it's, oh, yeah, we're going to Push Jam. I want to ride or, you know, hang out with our friends and ride. But Mike was filming like everything. Right? Okay. He was filming everything. And then so and I was doing a T-shirt company called Scum Clothing, which is like just a ridiculous, stupid BMX company t-shirt you know t-shirt company but dude it wasn't stupid <laughs> it was pretty, it was it was pretty it was it was pretty corny and lame but whatever don't call, i mean it, don't call my childhood stupid <laughs> but it was i mean it was fun it was fun but it was i mean and we can get into that more in a minute but so i was selling these shirts and i had a distro sandbox distro which was steve Inge from poor boy yeah it was his distro you know so so he was steve was helping me get these t-shirts you know kind of get the name out there get them in the shops or whatever and it was going okay like i was making some you know Making some money and paying that rent. Yeah, I was paying that rent. It yeah. was like uh, that. That was that first year. I was still living at my dad, so I didn't even have to pay the rent oh, at okay. the time. Okay. But but no. But so the name was out there enough, and Mike Mike was always like, he always liked most of the music I listened to. You know, for the most part, he's oh, what band is this? What's this? You know, let's listen to that. So when it came time for he had all this footage, I probably helped film a little bit. You know, just for the hell of it, helped out here and there. But he's like, hey, you wanna you wanna help me put this video together? You know, and we can like maybe sell it and I was like well that would be yeah I can because he you know he's like I want you to help pick all you pick all the music and and uh, and then we had and I, and had sandbox to help distro it you know yeah. so I was like, okay let's make it we'll just put it out under the name scum changed my life the music. Like, yeah like Dude, pretty yeah. much <laughs> the music I listen to to this day is probably because of like your early your early videos I'm sorry <laughs> I, no, don't be sorry but no, for real I think and you mentioned I didn't know that that was like the the dynamic of it all, like Tag did most of the filming. He did you, most you of the filming. Yeah. the music. I didn't the music yeah. was every bit as important. Right, <laughs> like of course. Looking back now. It always is. It always is. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing was, we we're like, okay, well, let's put this video together. Uh, how we put it together? I don't know. I don't have any equipment. Do you? No, we didn't have anything, you know. So, well, who does? Chris Rye does. We don't know Chris that well, but we, you know, we were, you know, kind of friends with him and Marco from going to jams, you know, and... And, uh, so tell people who I mean, you, you should. Chris probably, Rye owns props. You should probably, yeah, yeah. Chris Rye is the Chris Rye and Marco say they started props visual. You know, of course we know that, but yeah, you know, just to make yeah, sure, true, like everyone yeah, and yeah, that. Chris has made all the Baco videos, like you know, like huge, yeah. you know, like talk about video legend, you know, Midwestern, right, yeah. Right. But Chris was, you know, we said, hey, uh, we kind of have this video we need to put together. Chris is like, yeah, come to my house. You guys can do it. You can put it together. You know, we went to his house in Appleton, Wisconsin, and. Uh, 
he's like, yeah, here's, you know, he gave us a crash course in the two decks or whatever, you know. It was like, okay, you're real simple. Here's how you do it. Here's, here's how you edit. Uh, yeah, he probably took 15 minutes to show us. And he's like, okay, here you go. Um, I got to start putting the standard style cast together in like five days. So oh, you got like five days to make 1201. Oh my God. So we sat. So in, this was all dude, happening in the same place, so same, the same room. Yeah, time. so we sat in his dungeon, in his basement, and we put 1201 together. And as soon as we were done, he walked oh in down there and put goodness. style cast together. Oh yeah. my God. So, so like we owe that to Chris, you know, like we would, oh my we, you God. know. Yeah, Those are like my two videos. Okay, I just need to like tell the people this because I had 1201 and that was like my Bible. And then I went to a race. My dad took me a race in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. I was like 14, I think. And I went to like, it might have been the dance competition like trailer. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh, I want to get a video. And they're like, they were like, oh, we got Style Cats or BMX Inferno. And they were like, and I was like, oh, I don't know which one. You know, I'm trying to decide. And they're like, they're like, oh, do you like East Coast or West Coast riding? I'm like, East Coast riding. You know, so I bought Style Cats. Yeah. And then that was like my, then I just watched that like every day, like after 1201. Yeah, nice. And then eventually my friend Gary had Inferno, so we like swapped for a while. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that's it. It was Chris, you know, it, so, like it was, it was Tag who was like, he did the majority of the filming, you know, and then I brought all the music to the table and we just chiseled it out right there on the spot. and. God, that and is like a happened. time, so. in, like that is a just a, like a time in history. Like I didn't know that. Did you? I didn't know that. Like this, yeah, this was happening at the same time. I, dude, I'm right there. Like with Like 1201 you, man. and Stylecats <laughs> were just getting made and created at the same moment. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not where you are at with the alcohol, but I'm right with <laughs> hey, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, like that's. That's, so Rye kind of taught you guys all the fundamentals. Yeah, I mean, he just showed editing. us the basic basic cut, you know, and we okay, we ran with it. That was, Dude, uh, you know, it's like, you know, either me, it just would depend. Mike would either cue up the tapes and I'd do the cut for a while, or he, you know, either we switch it up or whatever. But right. but it was like I just had, you know, I had all my cassettes. I brought my shoebox of cassettes with me. Okay, here's what we're here's what we're doing. I got my Ramones cassette, you know, for the credit song, or you know, just McRad, you know, or whatever we yeah. whatever we were into at the time, you know. When the opening of Twelve O One comes Kirk. on and it's uh, it's uh, McGilla just doing that man, you're yeah. like Dude, that me that my like that gets my heart fluttering a little yeah. bit. That's like that meant so much to me as a kid. And, yeah. and uh, which I'm is just, funny though, because that's so basic. Compare, you know, like like let's say okay, we're working on Twelve O One. And, and the opening clip is Gilly doing a manual. I can't remember what the t opening clip is in Style Cats, but it's probably something, some serious tech writing, like, you know. I don't remember what that is. But you know what? That points to something out, though, because then I don't know if we're fast forwarding too quickly here, but you seem to have a knack for opening scenes in videos because Home of the Brave, like, who can forget that? You know, like, and then, like, Gilly, like, like you right away, you're like sucked in. So yeah. like, was this just like a natural talent to well, like? I don't, I don't think it's any kind of natural talent. You know, you just you you have the music that you like, and you always want to pick songs that are kind of, especially for like an intro. Something's kind of epic, something that gives you whatever. You know, like for me, it's nothing. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't invent that. It's something like you know, I'm watching uh, Head First, you know, Eddie Roman Head First. And, you know, that Fagazi song, the last song when Matt's doing all the epic slow-mo vert stuff or whatever, or there's like, you know, hearing a Jawbreaker song and then seeing an epic slow-mo of Fuzzy doing a one-footed invert when his tire hits his back, you know? It's just, you, you pick music that moves you and you try and put it with the bike riding that you think is awesome, you know? Like, Absolutely. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, I saw Head First, you know, probably 
a year or two before I saw 1201. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I, I liked Head First. And, this, and no, nothing I'm going to say is a slight on Head First at yeah, all. Because yeah, yeah. I was like just so excited to see a BMX video. Yeah. I'd never really seen that. But it's these guys in, in full face helmets and, mm-hmm. and chest protectors. They're mostly freestyle guys. And of course, there's like the dirt jumping part. You know, at the, I forget, is that like Honda, Honda Hills they had out there? Or, it's in San Diego. Yeah, the... Right? Is that the one you're... Uh, that's the one I'm you, thinking of. Yeah. But there's a ton of people, and like you mm-hmm. see the guy snap his forks off. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, mission trails is mission, yeah. And then I saw Ride On as well around that same time period. Uh-huh. I don't know if that was before or after Head First. Head First and then Ride On. Okay. Came out a couple years so I saw those two videos, and I'm like, okay, the, like I was into them. Mm-hmm. But when I saw 1201, I was like... That's what I'm doing. Like, yeah. I'm in the I'm in the woods too, riding jumps. Like, mm-hmm. I like my friends and I are kind of like these guys, even yeah. though they're a little bit older. And like, I just it may it, it I related to it so much more than I yeah. did the the other videos that mm-hmm. I'd seen. And again, it's not a slight on the, those videos at all. But I was like, that's what I'm doing. That's mm-hmm. what I want to do. Yeah, that's the type of rider I want to be. Yeah, like let's go back to the trails. Like we're not, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know, kids should be wearing helmets, of course. But like, uh, you know, I'm not wearing a full face helmet. I'm not wearing a chest protector. Yeah. I'm in the woods, building trails and, and riding. Like, mm-hmm. so it was just so much more relatable to to me, to Van, obviously. Amen. And uh, to probably a lot of people mm-hmm. that are tuning in. So that's it's so amazing just to get that backstory and to know that you know Style Cats was made just a couple of days later. Yeah. Ryan Barrett got 1201 for Christmas. Yeah. And I remember him calling me like, "Yeah, I got I got this video, this this 1201." I was like, "1201." I remember like going up to his house. It was like Christmas break, and I was just like sitting there and just like, "Oh my god!" Like, uh-huh. and then from there, that was like the first of a thousand times I watched the yeah. video. But I think the thing with that is like you say, being relatable. It's like you know, head first and ride on. Those videos are incredible. Uh, the rider, the, the the roster, the list. It's iconic riders, you know. Is Matt Hoffman and yeah. Tim Fuzzy Hall, you know, other dudes have clips in it like Dave Mira or just, you know, these guys, Vic Murphy, you know, like those guys, in my opinion, they were already solidified, like, you know, but you know just what? like iconic riders. But then, you know, 1201, it's like you're, you're seeing, just you're seeing our crew, really, mostly, yeah. you know, or these other scenes that we meet up with and the dudes that are just like, they're riding that day, you know? That's like the riding that's just kind of going on either at the jam or whatever, you know? It's like, not like, you know, I mean, Matt worked with Eddie Roman to make that, his part epic, like of doing all these crazy, you know, they went out with the mission of filming. We were more like, hey, we're going riding to meet up with these crews and have fun with our friends and we pull the, and the camera gets pulled out, so. Yeah, but like you said, there it wasn't like, like these big name riders in, yeah. in, in these videos, but yeah. it kind of made these guys big. Uh, like, I'd never heard of Chris Bennett before, mm-hmm. but he's in the opening of 1201. He's doing the, one, <laughs> the one-handed Superman. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah. it kind of like, to, to us, it like solidified those guys. Yeah, I, I, like, I think you're totally right, Chris. Like that's what like brought relatability. Like mm-hmm. by, with those videos, you, you created relatability. Like we couldn't relate to that other style of riding. So then these, these riders, like, although you guys didn't know it, you're just thinking, oh, I'm making a video about my friends with my friends. Suddenly, these guys became our heroes. Like, mm-hmm. Chris Bennett, be- Mike Tag, S- Steve Crandall, like, mm-hmm. became our heroes. And, like, not only because of their riding, but because of their, their lifestyle. Like, we wanted to, you know, we wanted, to, like, it's like, we want to live this way. We want to yeah. be these people. It like, probably didn't seem crazy. a lot more attainable. Like, but what what's more attainable? Living in a really 
shitty house in Indiana <laughs> with a ra mini ramp in the backyard that's falling apart, or having your own warehouse and having a twenty foot tall quarter pipe out back, you know, which yeah. is rad. Yeah, that's awesome if you have that, you know, have yeah. those resources at your disposal. But we didn't have anything, you know, just had fun. Yeah, uh, and that came through a hundred and ten percent. Now uh, we can leave twelve oh one for a second if mm. you don't mind, Van. Mm. Um, yeah. But then it, it, here's like a couple uh, uh, videos that I was just kind of rat rattle off that, uh, you know, were maybe kind of like the, the brothers and sisters to 1201, but mm -hmm. I think uh, like Lights Out, mm -hmm. Broken, um, were, were either one of those two your, uh, like, what was tags? What, like, were yeah, you well, and tags still working together on both of those? No, that was the thing. We did 1201 and it was awesome. But then after, you know, Mike, he was like ready to move on from Indiana. And I can't remember if he moved straight to Dayton or he might have gone back to Ithaca for a minute. But eventually him and Crandall ended up moving to Dayton, Ohio, you know. And uh, so, you know, that was 95 when, when uh, 1201 came out. So the next year, I was like, man, that's kind of fun. Like making a video, that was fun. People seemed to like it. Made a few bucks off of it. Like, which was yeah, nice. did it sell? pretty good uh i think it sold okay yeah okay. i think i mean I definitely one. what's that you bought one yeah <laughs> uh you know i can't i can't remember what the numbers were you know maybe we maybe we got lucky and sold a thousand of them or something at the time if, okay. I, if I remember correctly maybe 700 a thousand or something you know vhs vhs yeah. yeah so me and tag just split the money and okay this is cool you know um and then uh <clears throat> then the next year you know mike moves away and he had the camera with him you know whatever oh, well, that's kind of fun making a video um I'd be kind of, might as well try and make my own, you know? Uh, and I had a roommate named Matt Haynes at the time, skateboarder guy, I lived at the fat house, and, and he had a video camera. He's like, he never touched it. He's like, take this. <laughs> Just take the video camera, do whatever you want with <laughs> it, you know? Friend. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, cool, run wild with it, you know? Like, for, I think first trip was probably uh, California, first time I'd ever gone to California, you know? Um, whatever California footage would have been in Lights Out, probably not a lot, but there's some stuff me and Gillian Tag went to, or me and, yeah, me, Gilly, and Tag went to Arizona, dropped my transmission in the middle of Arizona, <laughs> stuck there for three days at an abandoned BMX track. There's some footage of that in the in the credits. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, went to California and shot some stuff out there, but came home and just, you know, that whole summer, okay, got a camera and just shot everything I went to, push again, you know, whatever. So is Lights Out all filmed in one lights summer? Out, lights Out is, yeah, it's me. I filmed that whole thing. Like, but it's one summer? It's one summer. Oh, yeah. wow. I mean, 1201 was one summer, too. Wow. You know, so Lights Out was just, I shot the whole summer. And Bennett calls that nine, that summer of 95. He's like, that's the 1201 summer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, then the next summer was, like, the Lights Out summer. Yeah, Lights Out you. summer. And then Tag had made, Tag moved to Dayton, and he did, he made Broken. That was his video. Okay. But he called it 1201 Productions. Okay. So I, I, there is some confusion with that. Some people are like, oh, did you guys both make that or whatever? No, that's just Mike's video. He made that on his own, okay. and then I made Lights Out on my own. And Lights Out was like another scum video. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And the, yeah. it was like Colin Winkleman. Yeah, uh, that Butcher. was like, yeah, I kind of, I was like, help, you know, just giving t-shirts to some friends that were shredding, you know? And like, oh, yeah, you want to be on the team, you know? The team. It's no team. It means you get, buy, you get 10 t-shirts and some stickers and, you know, whatever, buy you lunch or something, you know? But, yeah, it was... These dudes that I was giving some stuff to, and just you know, it, it wasn't like real filming where you go out and film, film. But you but know? see, but, but that's interesting you say that because not that they were on the same. I feel like at some point things made a turn, but I do feel like when you compare twelve oh one to Lights Out, I felt like Lights Out was like real video parts. They might not have been like yeah, these was, epic video was, parts, yeah. but it, like like that's it why wasn't I'm, a scene, but it was one person. That's why I'm surprised to hear you say that it was all filmed in one summer. Yeah, because to me, it, like 
Butcher's part and like whoever like these these parts were like Weasel's part. It's yeah. like oh, this was all filmed and just yeah. once like it seems like bigger than that. To yeah, me. it was more like probably I was gonna see them for like a weekend and hey, let's shoot <clears throat> for your part or whatever. Let's try yeah. and you know and we'd shoot at one spot, Shimerville for Butcher or whatever. You know, Weasel at the Ravine. Speaking or of double bar spins, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> And we would just, you know, shoot this stuff a really short time frame. And most of the time they'd be like, I got a few clips I'll send you. you know? Oh, okay. And they would give me a tape that had like seven or eight or ten clips maybe, you know. And all of a sudden, before you know it, there's a, you know, a minute and a half part. The parts were short, you know. They were really short. Mm. So it's like, it just. So there was additional footage. Yeah, there was a little, a little okay. bit of footage. That, that helps yeah. me feel. Okay. Yeah. That makes yeah. more sense. <laughs> and again, the, yeah. the music mm-hmm. was on point yet again. Like. Uh, Winkleman riding to the super sucker. Born with a tail, yeah. Because yeah. um, he was such a, yeah, hell yeah. yeah. I always thought, like, um, I, I met all these guys afterwards, obviously, yeah. but uh, I, I always thought, like, their the music fit their riding and their personality so well. Yeah, I always tried to get something that I thought, yeah, worked well with the rider and, and the type of person they were and you know, music that might pertain or strike a chord or something with some one part of their personality or something you know like i said colin was kind of a wild dude you know so yeah. it's like born with a tail all right there yeah. you go like, he was a wild dude <laughs> now was it uh during this time period during the lights out uh time period when you moved from fort wayne to live in bethlehem no uh basically it was the whole that year 96 whole lights out you know um edited it in the in the summer fall actually Flew down to Texas and I edited that at Steve Inge's house on the all the equipment he made like the poor boy videos on like 500 miles and BMX men and all that stuff. You BMX men was like one I guess of my, 500 like, BMX one was a big yeah. one for me. I guess 500 miles the the props guys helped him put that together, but he had his own equipment and that was the first time I ever went to Texas. You know, it was like August or something. And it was you know so hot, so miserable, and I was like, it was really cool that he let me do that, come down there and, and put the video together there. But when I left, I'm like. I don't know why anybody would ever live in Texas, you know. <laughs> and then, a, like, yeah. you know, a little over a year later, I actually ended up moving to Texas, you know. But, but yeah, it was it was that whole that whole year, and then at the end of the year, uh, I was just kind of like, man, I'm just kind of over Indiana, you know. It, it was getting to be like a few less, you know. People were kind of moving out of the house. There was still a handful of us there, it was like, you know, me and and Joe DeGerda and Gilly. But I was just kind of ready to do something. I grew up in Indiana, you know, so I, and I love traveling, so I was like ready to try something new, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, oh, if I'm gonna go somewhere, what's, who, has the, who has the best scene in the country? Bethlehem, you know, like the amount of riding going on there, the, the trails, like. Were Joe and Taj already living in Bethlehem at Joe that point? Joe and Taj were living there, yeah. Okay. Um, Which is I insane mean, Joe, because another shithole. <laughs> like, 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 but yet again, another place we wanted to be so bad. Yeah, yeah. Dude, he, yeah. Van speaks the truth. Yeah. Um, like, well, yeah. I mean, Joe had, you know, Joe grew up in that area, you know, so he didn't yeah, know it was always Eastern. from there. Taj had yeah. previously lived in Austin for a few years, and somehow Joe convinced Taj to move back to Bethlehem for wow. you know like yeah move back you know riding and as soon as Taj got there he was like what am I doing back here you know yeah. so uh, me you know so I'm like okay I, I'm I, I want to move to Bethlehem I'm gonna give it a shot you know try something different mm-hmm. and uh basically you know I was like Gilly what do you think and Gilly was just like you know he's okay <laughs> true, yeah yeah he, yeah exactly basically he didn't he didn't get like worked up over it you know but he was like sure you know um because yeah he just wanted to ride and dig all day and the scene was good there and you know tag didn't live in, in fort wayne anymore he hadn't for a while so gilly was kind of like 
Gilly was the dude, you know, he was the one making the trails happen. Yeah. Like me and Crandall and Joe and like, we might go and help a little bit, but Gilly was the guy who was like, he went there, that was where he relaxed. That was where he, you know, cleared his mind. He, you know, it was almost like, he, he would never, he never said anything, but you're almost like, I don't want to go and like dig. I might mess up something with Gilly's up. He wants something a certain way. You know, we'd go and we'd help like dig big piles and fill the wheelbarrows, you know, sometimes or whatever. But he was the dude keeping that afloat, you know. Which, which hence, even in Bethlehem, one of the staple sections to this day is at Posh is the Fort, Fort Wayne. Yeah, right when Originally we got, yeah. built by Gilly. Yeah, when we got there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Good reference, well, man. Yeah, Great yeah. co-host. Yeah, when we got there, he was like... Yeah, because, I mean, Posh style was a lot different than the Fort Wayne style kind of was, you know. There's a lot of, like, long and lows and that stuff, and Gilly wanted to make something that was more, you know, Fort Wayne style, like, um, you know, because we had, like, the berm section. It was called the berm section. It was a berm jump, but it was, it was a jump. I don't know why we call it the berm jump, but but it had, you know, it had a little more lip to it and stuff, and, and of course, Gilly was super influenced by what was going on at Push, you know. Those dudes were just building, like, you know, the most insane lips and huge jumps or whatever, and Gilly's like, let's get something going a little more, you know. Up and oh, down instead of out. And yeah, same thing. I dug some wheelbarrows for that, but he was like the dude that... He was know. the guy. Yeah, he was the guy. Yeah. He's always been the guy, but you know... Oh yeah, he's a workhorse. Yeah, yeah. He just, that's his thing, man. He just loves it and immerses himself into that and and it's enjoyable to him, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But, say, so, hey, yeah, Gilly, want to move? Sure, you know, and Joe moved with us too and we, Taj had an apartment and uh, I think he, he had just like him and his roommate at the time had had you know some issues and the roommate moved out and he had some open room and we moved into Taj's apartment you know was that the Superdome no that was just like a couple blocks from the Superdome oh, okay yeah so we were close to it but um, I, I got to back up here because I, yeah. I had a funny story about 1201 I was on, I, I was at a contest out in California years years and years ago mm -hmm. and we're in a car full of people and it's me Van I'm in there you're in the van wait Van's is Marvin Lottery there uh, I don't remember are we in a pickup truck. No, and then no, 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 no. We're, we're in a van. Sorry, go, go and ahead. I think it's my rental van actually. And I'm driving, and we're talking about like videos that we grew up on. Mm -hmm. And someone's like, someone brings up 1201. We're like, oh, 1201, 1201. Like, and we we're going off on it. Oh, so this is more recently. What year? What year are we talking? We're talking like late night, like 99. Oh, so this is okay. So we're way back. We're way back. We're way back. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. Continue. My bad. I know we're, I just wanted to tell the story. I'm just trying to catch up. Sorry. I thought it was funny. Go ahead. And you might remember this, you might not, but we're talking about 1201 and Ronnie Chalk's in the van. Do you know where this is going? The Chalk Attack. The Chalk Attack. Never mind. We can't even tell that story. Chalk's in the van. He's like, I've never seen 1201. And van opens the door, we're moving, it opens the door and he goes, get out. Get out right now. Do you remember this? No, I you don't, don't, remember? I don't remember. You go, get out right now. And of course, you know, he shut the door and everything yeah. calmed down, but I wanted to tell that story right now. It's pretty um, funny. But yeah, so we're back, we're, we're in Bethlehem and uh, um, a little well-known, you start working on like a little well-known video called Anthem, Home of the Brave. Uh, and uh, Anthem was like a tribute to Pennsylvania, correct? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, um, it's like, I mean, you have Push, you have Posh. Those are, you know, as far as trails I've ever been to, those are, it doesn't get any better than that, you know? That's like the trail mecca, you know? I mean, we, yeah, we had some trails in Fort Wayne, and they were fun, and people came to them, but it's not like, you go to Posh, and you just, you know, Posh or Push, even more, you know, at the time, even more so Push, you just like, those guys have the million. I mean, they have so many dudes digging in the stuff they're building. It's... it's just next level you know? right 
Right, so you're part of the, the, the Bethlehem scene mm -hmm. at this time, and there's Joe, and there's Tosh, yeah. and there's Christopher, yeah. and Butcher, and mm -hmm. the list goes on and on and yeah. on. And uh, then, of course, you got the, the push guys, too. Mm -hmm. You got Stig, Wachowiak, uh, Punjab, Punjab yeah. and Isaac. With, I, I just I just need to chime in. With with Posh, you can't forget, like, Sal and Jay Lonergan. Yeah. Just, yeah. You can't say... You can't say posh without those two names, so I just wanted to like, I'm, say that. I'm going through the people that like had sections in the, in the video. That's where I was going. But yeah, and Keith Gower yeah. and yeah. Uh, uh, and in the Stoffer podcast, we talk about like mm -hmm. Gower and Lonergan and like yeah. how like they were so like they deserve a lot of the credit yeah. Um, yeah. for you know the way posh is was. Um, their style was like you know unmatched. Yeah, yeah. Just um, the caliber of jumps and people at those scenes. Yeah, so you're surrounded by like you know the best. Riding in the yeah. world going yeah. on at the time. Was it just like you know, pick up a camera and just? I mean, basically, yeah. It was everyday sessions. Those, you know, like, yeah, you just go down, you'd ride for a while, and you, you know, hang out, maybe help dig a little bit or do something, or you just, you know, at some point, you, oh, I'm gonna, you know, take a break, you know, get a drink, pull up the camera for a little while, you know, um, unless something was really going down. But it was a lot of that was just like. That's how those guys rode. They pretty were organic stuff. Yeah, it was really organic. Um, so there was, and there was never like, yo, I'm going to make this video. You're going to have a part in it. You know, like it was. Just, we were just filming these everyday sections, and I think it was probably like, maybe a month before I'm going to edit the video, and I'm like, hey Taj, I'm just going to put all your clips together. You're going to have a part. Hey Joe, I'm just going to put all your clips together. You're going to have a part. You know, and then again, same kind of same thing to, too. Though both of those guys were like, oh well, here's a few clips if you're going to do that. You know, like. So they had like a little more well-rounded part, but I, I, love I was fine with just having a section of just them riding their everyday ride, you know. I love the simplicity of all <laughs> yeah. that, like especially like with twelve oh one and, and mm -hmm. now this, like. Um, so I, I think I already know the answer to this question, but there, was there ever a point where like when you were editing something like Anthem or twelve oh one or Lights Out or mm -hmm. or something else, where, where you were like, did you ever feel like you were making something that was special? That was like uh, you gonna know, change some things. No, or? no, not really. I mean, Anthem. You know, like Joe gives me a few clips, and there's a couple pretty heavy clips in there. You know, and you're like, wow, this is pretty gnarly. This stuff he's doing. You know, but uh, again, it's it's Joe. You see him every day. He's your friend. Okay, we're gonna make this video, and it's like, yeah, you're riding with your friends. You just make a video. It's your friends mostly. You know, it's no no predetermined. You know, not any point like this gonna be sick video. Like. You're like, oh, this is going to be fun to watch because these guys are fun to watch. Yeah. Well, you know? at the time, I mean, who yeah. was more influential than, yeah. than that group? Yeah. I mean, it I didn't, I mean, to me, Taj was, he was, you know, he was always like one of the most influential writers. I just always thought his style was like incredible, you know? Oh, yeah. But, but it's like, you, you don't know that the whole world knows that, you know? You just, you just mm. think, oh, this dude's sick and I think he's sick and this is awesome, you know? But then like, you know... Those guys were, I mean, Taj was pretty accomplished, you know, and Joe too, but like, you know, they started T1 shortly after, and after that, that was just like, everything they did just got boosted to let, like, you know, this insane, iconic status, I yeah. think, you know, even though they're down-to-earth guys, and you're just filming them ride their bikes, like, every day, you know, but they have those moments where they just, you know, do yeah. something that's completely insane. Yeah, moments of yeah. greatness. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so. Our co-host, Van Homan, also had a part mm -hmm. in Anthem. I had a split part. I had yeah. a split part. So you, Stuart King, and Robbie uh, Morales. Morales. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And that's just, so, yeah. it was just you guys coming to Posh and riding. And was that like, like one day? Well, well, that was Probably. like, I mean, that was like such an honor. So like, we're, we keep like pumping Stu, Stu up here and telling him how much of a hero he is to us. And 
la di da 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 but like for me like the guy who I watched you know 1201 and lights out religiously you know I watched those videos so many times so then when anthem came about and this was when I was finally old enough to like I was like regularly like going with my friends like Derek Adams would like take me to posh and I would like ride and and um, you know Stu approached me like hey do you want to do you want to have some clips in in my new video and I was like oh my god like he like he probably doesn't know this. like I was like oh my god I was freaking out like Stu took me to his house like where Taj and Joe lived and like these are my like these are my heroes you know so and like Joe gives me like a couple pairs of shoes like he gave me a couple pairs of Etnies at the time and I was like Oh my God! Like, I, like, Joe Rich gave me these. I wore these like pair of Etnies till like my toe was like a mile out of the shoe. Like yeah. there wasn't even like a front of the shoe anymore because like Joe Rich gave them to me. And like Stu Johnson's like, oh, do you want to have some clips in my video? And I'm like freaking out. I'm telling my mom like, oh my God, Mom, you know that video I watch every day before school? <laughs> like that guy, the guy who made that asked me to have have footage in his video. Like and she's like, oh, that's great. That's, that's great, great, man. man. Like, you know, and I'm just, like, freaking out. So, like, I mean, it, it's, I don't know. I don't know. Now I'm just talking about myself. I don't know what my <laughs> point is exactly. But, like, I was so psyched, you know. And, like, I think the point is is that, like, although he didn't realize it, like, Stu is creating something so special that, like, an entire generation was going to be inspired by and, like, continue to push forward from you know well I think um, and, and I'm speaking again generationally like I mean Van and I grew up on 1201 and then we were I saw 12 I'm sorry I, I saw Anthem for the first time at the Christmas Classic mm -hmm. which uh, you know that was the, the the contest you get sponsored by Schwinn I, I here we go baby um, <laughs> let's get this scrolling <laughs> so um, but I remember thinking like like damn like he, he's still like I was I was thinking about you and I was thinking about like all the videos. I mean, he's still putting out like the best <laughs> stuff. Like it's still like uh, it was still meaning a lot to me, even though I was like, you know, becoming you know what I thought was a bit uh, a big deal at at sixteen. <laughs> You're a big deal, um, but yeah, big, big deal, Doyle. Right, that's your name. Big deal, Doyle. So, um, <laughs> so um, <laughs> let's let's keep moving. Uh, I mean, you know, that's it's just one of those things. It, you, you're hanging out and riding with these guys that your friends they just happen to be incredible bike riders you're you're listening to whatever certain style of music oh this is what I want to you know this gets me stoked I'll put this with the video and just it, some people connect with it some people don't that's fine but some people you know it might resonate like oh man this is like what I want to be riding this is I love what these guys are doing I'm into the music so you know it's just, you just it's just making a connection you know it's just people that have similar interests you know yeah I had uh I'd gotten like the Revelation uh, sampler yeah. CD right after that, and it had so many of the same tracks. Like it had Far Side, yeah, yeah. it had uh, um, Lifetime. I don't know if Lifetime was on Revelation. Um, no, I think they were Jade Tree. But, but it was uh, uh, Shades of Gray. Was that? Not oh, uh, one? Shades Apart. Yeah, Shades Apart. Yeah, that was that one. Which uh, I, the song I put in Taj's part, Taj. and I, I don't know why I didn't even think about it. Taj hates that kind of music, and like I made that part, and it's probably like. The song probably gets on his nerves so bad he probably can't even watch his own part. Not that he would be watching his own right, part, but right. but <laughs> um, he's watching. Oh, he, yeah, he probably did, just watch it with the music off. Um, I feel like at this point, um, when Anthem comes out, like the BMX industry is really like churning along. Like, you yeah, know, yeah, bike sales are really high. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, like it's kind of kind of X Games in '95. It's you know 
all these companies are coming into BMX. Like a lot of people are making stuff. People are actually making a living riding BMX, you know? So it's like, I feel, you know. So there you go, but, but let's shift gears. Okay. <laughs> No, no, I'm sorry. No, no, sure. I'm, I'm I, a, I just I'm, wanted to know where yeah. you're shifting to. Yeah, well, let's maybe let's finish. Finish, this yeah, finish, and then, that, and then finish. We'll um, You, you can finish. You can finish, but yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I was saying like the BMX industry is doing really well at this uh -huh, point. Yeah, so yeah. therefore, I was wondering if Anthem sold a lot. Like if you guys, if you, know, you did pretty well on that one. You know, I don't really remember it selling more than like, you know, twelve oh one or lights out. Maybe, it, maybe it did for maybe a few more or something. You know, I, I, again, it was something that. I think it didn't resonate with everybody. It was black and white, you know. I think that was kind of a th it was kind of a thing. Some people were like, "Oh, it's a why is this video black and white?" Why, why did it? you choose black and white? Uh, I just wanted it to be like really stripped down, okay. Really, just kind of bare bones, just like raw. Yeah, I think yeah. sometimes when you are watching a video and there's all these colors, sometimes it kind of can be distracting. Like it's not, not necessarily distracting, but I just I just like. The photography class I took was a black and white photography class for two years, you know? I just love the simplicity of it. I think you're really just paying attention to what's going on in the photo, you know, in the photo or the or the video or whatever, you know? It just, I don't know, I just like the, the simplicity of it. Um, what was with the um, the gas mask? Like, what, what, what was this? The gas mask? Is there any story it's behind it? There is kind of a story behind it. It's funny, um, I was, right before leaving Fort Wayne, there was a, a few month period where I was in between Fort Wayne and Bethlehem, and I went to stay with a good friend of mine, Frankie Benavides in Boston. Um, and he did, he did, I don't know if you ever, there was a t-shirt company called Sound Manufacturing. I know Jerry Bagley and all those guys were like friends with Frankie, you know, they all know that dude because it's, okay. it's, it's that New England thing or whatever. But I was staying with my buddy Frankie and he's kind of really into graphics and stuff. But we went to a library one day and just kind of walking around the library and pulling out all these, you know, books and just kind of just, you know, milling about, and I found a book on, like, chemical warfare or something, you know, and I just pulled out the cover, and it just had this guy on the gas mask, like, right on the cover, you know, and I was like, it was just like a really striking image, you know, and uh, so it kind of, right there visually, it just, like, grabbed my attention, I was like, well, this is pretty cool, you know, it looks kind of menacing almost, you know, but it's like, you know, there's a person behind this mask, but you don't know who it is, you know, and I kind of, it, it's kind of weird, you just, Thinking about it, you know, I always look at BMX <coughs> as like, you know, we're living at the fast, right? We're doing, we're paying $75 a month rent. We're working a few days a month. We're by no means doing living the American dream. We're not like, you know, we're not going to college. We're not, you You're know. You're living my American dream. Yeah, it, we're, yeah, we're not going to college. We're not pulling in a lot of money. We're doing, but we're doing something that we love. And when you do something that you love, you know, you're a lot more content with just maybe not having much or doing whatever, you know? And, and I kind of looked at the gas mask guy as like, okay, this is someone who might, you know, this is someone who's in a hostile environment and they're doing something that they have to do to survive, you know, like wearing this gas mask. And it's kind of like, without this, you know, without this element, you know, they're, they're probably gonna, they're gonna die or they're not, it's gonna be hard to survive in this, this uh, you know, this environment. And I was kind of looked at BMX as something like, you know that we were doing and, and it kept us happy and it kept us like content and kind of almost you didn't have to worry about all these outside elements so much you know and and, and we're, we're actually making a few dollars doing it selling shirts or selling videos or whatever you know so I was just kind of like oh, it's kind of BMX is like it's kind of Holy helping you survive shit. and like yeah it's yeah so and like it's, all deep, it's all deep guess, man. it's all deep and stupid yeah but it's kind of yeah it's kind of like oh you're you're doing what you got to do to survive and like 
So, that, so that's something that makes man. you happy and it helps you like get I by. And wait, is that the point? BMX is our gas mask? Yeah, pretty much. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's I, did, I didn't expect that answer. Yeah, wow. I know. It's a ridiculously like, like, are you or like deep or whatever, you know, but I are just, you feeling things right now? No, that's, <laughs> dude, that's really cool. I'm feeling well, things. That's good. Uh, I think you might have mentioned that in a, an interview in a magazine that I read uh, uh-huh. years ago, but uh, I was wondering like, you know, you know how much truth there was to that. And I, I'd kind of forgotten it word for word uh, what yeah, you had said, yeah. but like, that's pretty. That's pretty sick. Like, yeah, was, I mean, it's just you know, th- there's the world. I never knew the There's the world around you. Yeah, you got to go to school. You got to do this, or you know, to be successful or to be happy. You know, you have to have the house and the white picket fence to be happy, and and you don't. You know, you just have to do something that you love doing, and and you know, I think. Amen. Do you hopefully, remember our first I mean, hopefully you'll find it. Yeah, I remember our first conversation. Yeah, about <laughs> about you pursuing a professional writing career, and I'm like, dude. Go for it. He didn't want to. He was like, I don't think I, I don't want to do school. Well, that same pressure. I was getting pressure to go to college, yeah, and yeah. I, I had opportunities to be a writer. And like, I remember that's when the early days of meeting you. And yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I'm kind of leaning on my older friends, like for like guidance and like especially people that have BMX influence and trying to figure out like what's mm-hmm. it's it's so hard, you know. Like, yeah, and I was like, well, what's gonna make you happy? School gonna make you happy? No, riding riding your bike, and yeah. you know, I mean, obviously you're. You're gifted, and you have opportunity. You know, I mean, you, it was, the opportunities were probably just like, you know, they weren't there yet, or they were maybe starting to kind of, Man. you know, show their head a little bit. But it's like, you know, you got to. If you're not happy, then you're not happy. You know, it's yeah. like, and, and and nothing. You know, no monetary. You know, money's not going to make you happy. The big house isn't going to make you happy. Right. The white picket fence isn't going to make you happy. You got to do something that is fulfilling and brings you joy. You know, to. You know, and the, these other things are all secondary, having all these, yeah. Right, right. You know, being, like, fooled by these temptations, like, things that yeah. you have to have that you it, need. It's just the fact that you don't have to live life the way everyone tells you you have to live. Um, that's a really interesting, like, it's a metaphor. You know, yeah, the, the it, guy yeah. in the gas mask? Yeah. Like, that's that's really interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we... Yeah. we we got through that. that and was, Andy uh, looks badass. So it, it's like, it's a, <laughs> well, I just I sent you that thing uh, just a few days ago. My buddy just got the tattoo. Yeah, I saw that. Like, Murphy, yeah. Murphy, yeah. Murphy, Murphy yeah. got yeah. the tattoo, yeah. and he's the uh, second awesome. friend of mine. Uh, my my other buddy, uh, yeah. Andrew Lewis, yeah. who yeah. shot a photo with you yep. at the trails. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's so it's not just me and Van. Like the, yeah. these these <laughs> yeah. things meant a lot to yeah. a lot of different people. Yeah. And and it, and you know, and that's not just like it's not. I don't feel like that's just my point of view. It's like. The Gillies digging in the woods, you know, like he's not, he doesn't have this 40 hour, you know, at the time he's, he's not buying into that. You got to have 40 hours in a college education to be happy. You know, it's like you're living on very little money, but you're doing something that's fulfilling and that's more important than, you know. Okay. So I think this is very interesting and I might be fast forwarding way too much. So Chris, I'm sorry. Cut me off if I am, but stop. But we've been like we've been like chatting for a while, so I think maybe it's it's time to to go to this realm, like so, you know you you resisted the like the traditional job the mm-hmm. the traditional way, and you you chose your own path to create these videos that inspired a generation, and now you are in a place where you're creating like quote, real street BMX, like, TV shows Uh that are really kind of capturing BMX, like, in their true spirit, which 
is really kind of unique. Like now you're able to make like an honest living creating the content that you want to create. You're able to direct to direct and create this this show that really shows BMX in such a positive and honest light. And it, like like what an unbelievable opportunity to be able to create a show for ESPN that still like holds the roots and and the integrity of BMX like mm-hmm. and then be able to pay your bills from that like that's that's not like that's not a normal thing like at some point we typically have to make some kind of sacrifices so yeah. like I guess my question would be like how do you feel about that opportunity do you feel like there are some sacrifices from that and I don't know yeah, I mean it- do we want to get into this right now? I mean, did really I jump the gun? Did I jump the gun? You really went way far. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just like it. Just felt like it made sense. I'm sorry. <laughs> you went from like 1999 to like 2000. All right. Well, do you want to edit that in later? Like we can no, rewind. No, no, we no, can no. rewind. I just, I just felt like it made sense. Like in my head. Like I'm I like, sorry. I like an organic feel to these things. I don't yeah. like to edit too much. Okay. Like, I will if I have to. Yeah. It's a. It, it, I think it's worth answering. It made sense. We yeah, can I mean, rewind. I mean, we we're gonna rewind. T- we're gonna end up talking about it anyways at some point. Okay. This. Yeah, we can, re- we can rewind. Assume. We can rewind. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I think it's really funny. It'll add some. Uh, I didn't want to hijack here. the like. I'm not trying to be. I'm meant to be the co-host, not the like. But I just, it just. Yeah, that's the way my brain works. I I'm like sorry. that you're thinking. I like that you're taking this seriously. <laughs> um, well, uh, we we will get there. Yeah. Um, what Van's saying. Yeah, I'll, I'll pause my answer. But yeah, right. I mean, we'll definitely. Yeah, we'll. we'll um, yeah. I was gonna say like plug that in. So Anthem comes out. Uh, Anthem comes out and uh, you know yeah, Alright your shift's done everyone's, We're back to Anthem Everyone's stoked um, What was life after Anthem Like eventually you leave Bethlehem And did you leave Bethlehem for Austin Well yeah here's the deal um, You know Bethlehem great riding Great riding scene You know incredible riders Cool people But the town itself was really depressing You know it was It's an old rundown steel town at the, Especially at that, that time It's it was, gotten a lot better since then It was rough um, It was rough You know I, I'm not even joking when I, when I say I'd walk three blocks To the grocery store And just about everybody I'd pass on the sidewalk Looked like they wanted to kill themselves But people look You know They did not look happy They're You know They're right. probably struggling with money. I mean, we weren't in a rich I mean We weren't in a rich neighborhood We were close to the university But it's still It was like A lot of the locals You know probably rough times, you know, we'll run down to Steeltown. So, um, so Bethlehem, Bethlehem, the riding was fun, making the video was fun, but when you weren't riding, we were just sitting in our apartment, you know, me and Taj and, you know, Gilly and whatever, and I'm probably listening to some depressing sunny day real estate music or whatever, you know, but I didn't realize it, but I was just kind of like getting like kind of bummed out, you know, um, and winter was coming, right? So just dreading another winter, you know, uh, and Taj would not shut up about Austin. Because like I said, he'd previously lived there. He, yeah. And he yeah. loved it. And, and, and I, I was like, oh, yeah, tell me more. Oh, it's great, man. You can just, you know, January t-shirt. You're peddling all around town. There's punk shows. There's places, you know, vegetarian restaurants. There's cute girls everywhere. Like, it's a, you know, this, just the scene is this utopia he's talking about, you know. Right. And we knew, okay, there's a scene down there. You know, we knew there was Ninth Street. It was no posh, you know. But it was a cool local spot. But, I mean, the... The history of some of the guys, you know, James Shepard, Kevin Gutierrez, Lee Saltemeyer, like, you know, all these, like, street riding legends that we had seen a few years earlier in Homeless Trash, you know, which was, like, mind-blowing, all these guys doing handrails and stuff, you know. 
and it's just like, the University of Austin's there, and you know, he just he made it sound like this incredible place. And he had previously lived there, so he knew how great it was, you know. And he said, "Man, I, I can't stay in Bethlehem. I gotta I gotta go back to Austin. I gotta go back to Austin." And uh, Joe had gone. Maybe it was his first time previously when they did MTV Sports Music Fest. Okay. So so Joe had just recently gone and discovered how great Austin was, you know. And Taj is, you know, come on, Joe. We got, I mean, I didn't know it just yet, but they had they were talking and they were getting ready to start T one, you know. Um, so they wanted to do it. They wanted to move to Austin, and that's where they would, you know, T1 would start taking shape. Uh, so just one day, Taj, we were eating dinner, and he's Taj was like, you know, I, I was his roommate, so if he's gonna move, he needed to let me know. And he said, Hey, yeah, me and Joe, we're gonna. Actually, first he told me he said we're gonna start a bike company. Oh wow! Oh wow! Cool. That's cool. Yeah, and we're gonna move to Austin and do it. Um, if you want to come with us, you know, if you want to make the move down there. Yeah, you're more than welcome. We'll get a place and we'll have a room. You know, you find a spot in, in the apartment. You know, okay. Yeah, great. I was like, this is cool, man. I'm going to spend a winter someplace warm. You know, because like I said, I was dreading winter. I hate winter. I did not want to, you know, I didn't want to have another one. I didn't want to experience it. So I said, <laughs> oh, my, experience it. Oh, my. Well, yeah, it was just so, I just didn't want to, yeah. I just didn't want to go through another winter, you know, like. There's winter, and then there's winter in Bethlehem. Yeah. Like, yeah, nothing to do. Nothing to do. Right. And, uh, and I said, yeah, you know, I didn't have a lot of possessions. I said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll go, I'll go live there for the winter, you know. I mean, they were. Gonna move there full time. I figured. I mean, I've never been there. I don't even know what it's like. I mean, I, I don't firsthand know what it's like. But, but uh, yeah, if it's half as good as you say it is, I mean, I'll give it a shot. And I thought I would live there for one winter, and you know, I've been there 21 years. Now. Well, right, and, and uh, like you said, I mean, all your your friends are moving there, and usually, yeah. like, you can make any place work as, yeah. if you have your buddies there, and like, yeah. you're, you can still have a good time. Yeah. Um, Gilly wasn't moving, but that was the unfortunate. Yeah, I was wondering why, like, Gilly's oh, posh. He was posh. not. Yeah, he was not leaving posh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, he was, that dude had some serious hours invested in there, and it was just, you know, he loved it. Now, um, so you're down in Austin, and mm -hmm. were you, like, working, like, a normal job? or, or uh, No. Were you still well, making videos? Well, well, here, well, here's the deal. That's, you know, basically, uh, Home of the Brave, Anthem, it came out Christmas of 2000, or I mean, uh, of 98, uh, 97. You know, so that was that year. I lived in, I lived in Bethlehem in 97, and, and the video was released basically, like, the day after Christmas at the Christmas Classic. Yeah. So I had a little bit of money, you know, I, I was making a little bit of money from the video, but I moved there. I didn't have a, you know, I didn't have a job, but it, you know, you, I got down there and I'm like, ah, beautiful weather. You know, just, we just rode every day. Like I had a little bit of money coming in from, from the video to cover some rent and that was it, you know? Um, I didn't have any, no one was, you know, still there weren't a lot of people doing video stuff and there weren't many, you know, there was no offers to make videos really. Um, <laughs> yeah, so really the first year or so, I didn't, uh, I probably just kind of lived off the the money coming in from Anthem, and I had some credit cards, so I probably started, you know, go to the record store, buy some records, go out to eat, and, you know, I was probably living off credit cards, and um, I think probably the following year I ended up, like, selling some plasma. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but I did, but, you know, we were going to Trend every day, which was the bike bike shop before Empire, you know, yeah. Tina and Tom worked at Trend. Um and in 99, they're like, hey, we want to make a video. You want to do it? You know, because I don't know if they had anyone locally that was really at that time into making videos, you know. So I moved down there and I was hanging out there all the time. And I'm, yeah, man, I'd be honored because, you know, Parrick had made some, you know, Parrick and Sheps had made some tr early trend videos. And 
yeah, that's cool. It's like kind of a legacy. You know, Dave Parrick made yeah. made a trend video. You know, yeah, I'll definitely do it. You know, so that year I started yeah doing. I did that trend video and I made some money there. And I guess it was probably that maybe that year or the next year I started getting some props work. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say when uh, the first time I I remember seeing you working for props was uh, but like you. I, I didn't see you for a few years. This is, we yeah. didn't have social media. You don't know what yeah. people are up to. Yeah. You know, um, I didn't see you in any magazines or anything like mm-hmm. that. But I see you down in uh, Merritt Island, Florida. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, you've got you get the big beard, <laughs> and I'm like, wow, is that Stu Johnson? CFB? And like, uh, it was a CFB. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, what are you doing? You're like, oh, I'm working for props. Mm-hmm. And you were you were filming that contest yeah. for yeah. props. And uh, uh, so, what year would that have been? Y2K. Pro- yeah, it would have been, yeah, I would say yeah. 2000. Yeah, okay. I would say that's when I started getting some prop stuff, you know. But Well, let's, if you go back just a little bit before that, there was a DK dirt circuit in Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what, how that came about was uh, the props guys were doing um, Road Fools, which was which everyone it's, went to Ithaca. Like, three. remember, the kid, where Kelly Baker and Crandall, all those guys are in it, you know. Yeah. Basically, so they're, they're in Ithaca. Did I? You're fine. They were in Ithaca. And uh, hanging out with the props dudes, and oh, this is cool, man. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, this is a fun trip. The only thing that sucks is we're missing a DK dirt circuit next weekend in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's a bummer. And they're like, hey, you want to go film it for us? And I said, yeah, I guess so. Like, sure. And they're like, yeah, we'll buy your bus ticket. And like, you know, I went and filmed it. And took a Greyhound there and filmed that DK dirt circuit. And <laughs> and they were, yeah, they were happy with how the footage came out, you know. And I, it was like I filmed like a lot. I was like, oh, you're gonna if you're gonna pay me to film. I'm gonna like film all day and film like you know there's a bunch of funny stuff in the credits too yeah and uh, yeah they pay, they paid me to film this I'm like wow that's cool that was your first gig that was my props? first gig for oh, props wow. yeah I was like wow it's got you know and and they were happy with the stuff and like hey you want to do something for the next issue and I I can't remember what it was it might have been like two or three things for the next issue like it didn't take long for them to be like yep you, if you want to do it there's this job and this job and this job yeah uh-huh. they were they were making so many videos at the time. You know all the road fools videos, and they're putting a couple of them out a year. And you know, I mean, they're putting. I think they're probably putting the the videos out bi-monthly or something. You know, or like every other month. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Dude, that's an overwhelming. They, yeah, they were working hard, man. So the opportunity was there. Chris needed the help, and I said, "Yeah, man, you're gonna pay me to shoot BMX stuff, of course." Like. Why wouldn't I? It's fun. Yeah, it seems like Road Fools was really becoming their bread and butter. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it really was. It yeah, really was. so like, I mean, they had it Van Holman going on yeah. every trip. Ex- and, yeah, it exploded. And, uh, wow, okay, that's really interesting to know. I didn't know that yeah, was your first. Because yeah. I remember seeing you in Pittsburgh, yeah. and I don't know why I just didn't piece it together mm-hmm. that that was, you know, my timelines get so yeah, screwed yeah, up. As, yeah, as it was like that, and then like maybe the next issue might have been like the Denver Scene Report and a couple other things, you know, and then like... Helped film a bunch of the Joe Rich profile too, right, like following right. just like real shortly yeah, after that. Weren't you like out in, uh, you were out at Woodward with Joe for like an entire summer, right? Or, or, or uh, like no, I summer? actually, I worked at Woodward for a little bit, yeah. Okay. In, in 97 and 98, I went there and probably worked like two weeks each summer, you okay. know, just being a, uh, having a cabin, you know, just like. Uh, Will Stroud tells a story, he was a camper there when you were there, and uh, they were going down to the canteen, and someone had lights out, mm-hmm. and uh, he's, he knew who you were, and he went up to you, and he goes, hey man, do you want to, um, we're going to go watch lights out, do you want to come? And you go, nah, I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that was funny, I was like, Will, like, you're going to embarrass yourself like that, man, come on. That's um, pretty funny. 
So I didn't I didn't realize that you were. A kid yeah, that there. was fun. I mean, it was it was probably you know Taj probably Joe or Taj probably hey you know we can get you a gig here if you want to work here for a few weeks and earn some money and just you know just it was just like having yeah just keeping kids in a cabin and having kids and like you know I didn't I wasn't like uh, you know any kind of pro or anything I just got to ride and probably lifeguard some of the sessions or whatever but that was I mean there was there was some some Woodward stuff in Anthem, you know, and that was yeah. that summer. Oh. I think it was like, you know, okay, uh, I got to go to, you know, Woodward for a couple of weeks. I'll just go to Push from there, you know, and then go film with Isaac and yeah. Punjab. Man, and what, a, what a different era, though, you know, like, when I think about, like, my, like, being a camper mm -hmm. at, at Woodward and, you know, like, Joe and Taj being like your counselors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like that doesn't happen anymore. No, you know, like no. you're the super pros of the day were like working at Woodward because that was a way that they could make a living off BMX. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Woodward's forever an amazing place, but like that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, they were like the heroes of the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they were like your counselor. When I you would went see to a camp. kid walk up to the cabin and Taj would be like, hey, I'm Taj. And the kid's just yeah. like, uh, I couldn't even talk. Yeah, he yeah. was just like, like, so starstruck. I remember Lucky was like shooting us with like a, like a super soaker when we like got like <laughs> on the, on the, like at the patio of like our cabin. You know, it's just mm -hmm. like, what, like what a time for being yeah, nice, yeah. you know? Yeah, and it, and it was just, you know, like I was willing to do the work. It was hard to find, you know, there weren't many guys doing video stuff. So it's like, oh, you need it. If you want this job, you got it. And I just appreciated getting, you know, appreciated being able to film BMX stuff and make some money doing it. It's plus, like you said, like uh, props was like this force at that time. Yeah. So, because I, yeah. I remember like Will getting a few jobs with mm -hmm. him as well. Yeah. Um, but eventually it, it kind of seemed like props, and I hope the props guys don't get upset with me for saying this, but it, it almost seemed like for a while there, props was like you and Walter. Like you and Walter. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, we're, kind of I mean, it was basically shot. Chris. You know, he was so overwhelmed with making all these Road Fools videos and 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 just he he just didn't want to travel. You know, he he did so much in such a short you know a few years span that it like it really kind of burned him out. So he was more like, I'm gonna stay home. You know, I'll go on the Road Fools, but I'll you know I'll come home and I'll edit those things for months and and you know. I would shoot some, so a lot of that early stuff I shot for props, Chris would edit. So I would send the footage in, you know. Okay. Um, there were some projects they would let me run, run with, you know, like uh, doing like the Euro scene and passport videos, you know, like I was like, ooh, I really want to go to Europe. And oh, I mean, for me, it was a chance to like, these guys are going to pay for me to go, you know, to this state that I've never been to or this country and I can work on a project. They'll let me come up with basically probably whatever project I want to work with, whoever I want to work with. And they're going to pay for my travel, and they're going to pay me to do this. You know, it was just—it was kind of mind blowing. You know, I didn't—I never thought, oh yeah, I'll have some job in the industry or whatever. But it just kind of like presented itself. Oh and, yeah. And I was like, and you yeah, I'm going to run with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Euro scene and the passport video, like so good. Like those were like, um, especially in, in my opinion, the Euro scene one mm -hmm. with like the Rainer Maria yeah. and, uh, um, gosh, that last one, the, the last section of the part with. Uh, at the drive-in, when yeah, at the world, yeah, the cool like, worlds in Colombia. Dude, I was like, yeah. I gotta go to that contest. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the th the thing was, like, I had seen a four-on-one Europe issue or something, you know, skateboarding one, and I'm like, man, I want to go to Europe for a month or six weeks <laughs> or something, you know? How do I make that happen? Duh, make a whole video about the European scene, you know? Right. And, and there's so many American riders going over, you know? And at that point, it was just like, yeah, BMX videos were starting to blow up, and we were lucky enough, you know. 
I mean, props was like, everyone was getting props all around the world, you know? So we had distros in all these countries and, you know, we'd get these opportunities where a distro might say, hey, we're putting on an event or someone we know is putting on an event and we would love to have it in props. Really? Okay, well, what do we, you know, what do we got to do to get it in props? And Marco or Chris would be like, well, buy our guy a plane ticket over and he'll cover it. You know, we'll pay him to film it yeah. and you cover his expenses and take care of him when he's over there. And, you know, in 70s would bring me over or just, you know, whatever distro was in France or, you know, it was... So uh, these people were just, like, so welcoming. I mean, I can go to a country I've never been to and some guy is going to meet me at the airport and he is going to put me up for the week, take me everywhere, you know, like, show me everything I need to see and meet all these amazing riders and meet up with friends of mine, too, yeah. over there. Yeah. It, it, my roommates also just run into them in another country and we're on a trip to get, you know, it was like... Yeah. You All you have to do is just film yeah. the best riding going on in the yeah. world. So it came a long way from the fat house. Yeah, it came a long way from the fat house. Mm-hmm. But it was so, it was, you know, it was it was mind-blowing how easy it was for this to happen. Because all these people were like, yes, we want this in props. We want our event in props. Or they were just stoked to film for props, you know? Well, yeah, there was, it seems like there was a lot of right place, right time yeah, yeah. going on. But yeah. at the same time, I mean, you, you're doing quality work. Like... Uh, when you're filming something with Stu Johnson, you know, like, okay, he's not going to miss it. Like, he's going to mm. get the right shot. He's, you know, if you're covering a contest, you're going to mm. get the right stuff. So, yeah, I mean, there's something I mean, also. It's a, said, yeah, there's a lot of work involved, and you yeah. have to be really committed. You know, you have to. But it's like I, I just appreciated those opportunities so much that I'm like, yes, I want to keep doing this. I want to keep having these opportunities. We <laughs> 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 do we need to check the framing. The van just. Bumped into the bed. I think we're good. You think we're good? We good? We're good. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, you know, it's that, it's that thing. It's, and, and that's, you know, if you were to say, man, how, you've been doing this for so long. Like, how, have you, how are you still doing it? You know, I, I'm not the best videographer out there. I'm not the best filmer. I'm not, you know, I don't think I'm the best anything when it comes to, like, video production or whatever. But I, I almost, I can't even remember ever saying no to an opportunity, you know, or just wanting to put in the time, you know, you go to a contest, you, you're not just going to go film the finals. Crazy stuff's going to happen in qualifying. Yeah. It's going to happen in the heat where you don't even know any of the guys in the heat, you know, like it's, you just have to have the, you're like, okay, I'm going to have this thing with me all weekend and it's recording all weekend. Yeah. You know, I would come back from a contest, you know, and Rye would be like, there's 16 tapes here. <laughs> You know, you want me to go through 16 tapes. It was just so much footage, you know. And I was like, I'll go through the tapes, you know. But it's just, you ha- You know, you might have to film for three hours, and, but you might get 10 seconds of magic in there that, yeah. that really makes, you know, helps bring the whole thing together. Well, um, so were you, like, just kind of picking the best footage and then sending it to Rye after a while? Or were, you know, at first I would just send the tapes in. But, you know, when it was, like, me, you know... Which obviously, that stuff, I took it seriously and I tried to film a lot. But when it's like, okay, Passport, this is your project. You're a scene. This is your project. You're going to film it. You're going to edit it. You're picking the music for it. You know, that was when I was like, okay, wow, I'm going to make this whole thing and it's, it's going to have the props name on it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, I want it to be the best thing. You know, I want, I, want, I want whoever paid for me to go over there to feel like, yes, this was worth it for us to bring him over, you know, throw him in the van, do whatever. Same thing. You know, Marco's sending me a paycheck. I'm living by going to BMX events. Yeah, you know, I'm not a pro rider, and I, I never really wanted to be. It's like I get to, I get. It's less stress on me. You know, yeah. I'm doing something that I think is fun. It's a lot of work, but it's fun, and it's worth. You know, it's worth it when you put out the video, and then someone's like, 
yeah, I like that, you know, or that connected, you know, or when resonated like, with yeah, me. Yeah, people or, come up to you and yeah. they're like, hey, I really liked Passport, and yeah, like. Yeah, it's a, it's a good feeling. It's because, like, because I, I know what, uh, you know, BMX videos and magazines and all that stuff meant to me. It was like, <laughs> it's, it, it was, it's, you know, you, you watch, you get these videos and you watch them religiously you're watching yeah. this stuff over and over even if you're not watching it, it's playing in the living room even you've seen it so many times you you don't have to look at the video you know what clip is coming up you know um, it's really it's something that it's like i feel it's like if people are watching these videos and i'm not putting it on the same scale but it's like when i was looking at those bmx action magazines i couldn't get enough of them you know so you're like uh, if i'm going to make something that somebody might like get value out of or they might you know be inspired by it, i want it to be you know, I want it to be the best that I can make it, you know, like, because yeah. it's, you know, it's like, that's you, what, that's what sucks people into BMX, you know, yeah. you see something you can relate to or you can connect with and, and that gets them that much more stoked on it. And then maybe they're that much more stoked on it and they go build their trails more. And then like, you know, then other people are coming to their trails and it's just kind of the cycle of like, you know, inspiration. It's like, it, um, I mean, you've now inspired countless generations. Like, I mean, we're like, you know, kind of almost 20 years from where we started with this the whole interview and like you think about the people that that you've influenced just through the videos mm -hmm. and um yeah it, it's always it always seems like it's always been quality like everything you've you've done like behind the lens editing the the music choices like it's always been like you know quality yeah i mean i just i just try and make something that i enjoy watching you know i'm like oh you know maybe if i enjoy it someone else might enjoy it you yeah. know like I don't ever really think this has to be this way for someone else or, you know, whatever. You just, you want to make something that's entertaining, you know, like something yeah. that gets you psyched to go ride or, yeah. Um, and eventually you start going on the Road Fools trips. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ro Road I, Fools 8 was my first that one. That was your first one. That was my your first, first one, one too. too. Yeah. yeah. Great. Um, <laughs> but after that, you were pretty much, you were on every Road Fools after yeah, that. Yeah, yep, yep. After, yeah, 8 from 8, then on out. Okay. Yeah. Were they, like, I think when you're watching Road Fools or... Uh, let me go back a little bit more. When you're talking to a, a, a rider, they always like, oh, Road Fools 1 was my first video. Mm -hmm. Or like, Road Fools 5, that yeah. was my first video. Like, a lot of people's first were always uh, Road Fools videos. Yeah. And I get a lot of people like, yeah, Road Fools 8, that was my first video. Mm -hmm. And like, a lot of people saw, saw me in there and, and uh, a lot of other guys, of course. Um, but it, it's funny that, I mean, that was our first Road Fools. And yeah. uh, I, were those... Would you say like during was that like a highlight in uh Oh, I mean things? definitely. You're you're on it with like the best riders in the world, you know, and the level of riding. And even like yeah, I mean the level of riding, yeah, it's it's insane. It's through the roof, you know, but <coughs> but it, it's you know, I mean and you can experience this with with your friends, with whatever, but you're going on a trip and you might, you know, there's these 12 riders or however many guys and like you might know them a little bit. Some of them you might not really know at all, you know? And then you spend 10 days on the road with them. And by the time they leave, you're like good friends with some of these yeah. guys, you know? It's like, I, I mean, I know I was always kind of like, when the trip ended, I was kind of bummed, you know? It's like, oh man, that was like. When you're, you're thinking, <laughs> when is the next time this crew of people yeah. is gonna be together? And, and yeah, and, and just like the energy, the level of everyone's kind of like, yeah, we're making something that's fun and it's cool. And it's like, well, everyone I'm, feeds off each other, the riding wise and just like, you, the amount of the, the amount of amazing bike riding you see is, you know, it, it's through the roof. But you're also like, 
you know, there's the jokes, the personalities, the pranks, the whatever, you know. It's, we all know how, especially Road Fools, you know, Road Fools is kind of what brought a lot of that personality into BMX yeah. that the person, at home, the viewer wasn't seeing, you know. So it's like you get to experience that and you just, you bond with these people that, you know. And, yeah, a lot of people would like, uh, a lot of other pros that were invited on Road Fools, like that's where you like save your best riding for. Like, all right, yeah. I'm on this trip. Yeah. I'm on Road Fools. It's like the premiere video. Yeah. Because um, anytime you look in a magazine, like what the like the reader polls, what what's the best video? It's always Road Fools. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like a lot of the pro riders would like kind of, okay, I'm on Road Fools. I yeah. need to like step mm-hmm. up my game. I need yeah. to, you know. It's cool. I mean, I would I would hope that the guys would just be more like, I want to feed off the energy, and you you know I you know I know some guys would be like, I need to perform or you know a certain moment to shine or whatever but I just thought the vibes were usually so good that it was just like you know one dude saw somebody else do something crazy and that got them stoked and then they just did something you know yeah. wild and, no, and it was just I, like I think that's the case I mean I think it was like an organic energy and it was just like you're on a road trip with your friends mm-hmm. so there's like amazing things happening but at the time like Chris said there still is this certain um, pressure and expectation like like this is road fools like we're gonna do something special you yeah, know? yeah so it's like it's I think it's I think it really was something special because I think it kind of combined those two trains of thought mm-hmm. into one which is kind of not that normal to be like you're you're putting pressure on yourself but you're also feeding off of a natural energy and just like a road trip type of atmosphere yeah. it's that's not that's not normal to combine those two things together yeah you think about it right yeah you're making sense man all right yeah. glad i'm still making sense <laughs> <laughs> um so you're you're doing a lot of work for props mm-hmm. um you're going on the on the road fools you're going on the mega tours you're doing like full you know people's interviews people's bios mm-hmm. um during this time, you're getting a lot of. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Like, when did you start getting pressure, or was there any pressure for people like, "Hey, man, when's when are you gonna do Anthem 2? <laughs> because well, I know, yeah, a yeah. Lot of I made that. Waited. I made that trend 1999 video, you know, and I was, I was oh, I'm gonna go back to Pittsburgh, you know, next summer, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna just go spend, you know, Pittsburgh. I figure, you know, like I said with, with the first Anthem, it wasn't. Yeah, these guys weren't like filming for these crazy parts who were out filming just their riding, you know? And I thought, oh, well, maybe next summer I'll just go back to Pennsylvania for like a month and we'll, we'll do another Anthem video and that's that, you know? It's cool. It'll be fun, you know? Because obviously, like, Push got plowed, Death Valley, you know, Chuck and those guys, you know, they were... It was just, you know, it was cha- a little bit changing, but but still a great scene, you know? And, and uh, but yeah, that the reason that never happened is because of the props work, right. you know? It's like all of a sudden I'm, I'm making, you know, I'm helping make whatever six issues a year, you know, if they were going bi-monthly at that time, I can't remember, but it was like, it was like these guys are keeping me super busy, which I was happy with. I was like, okay, this is awesome. I'm traveling all over the place. You had a you know, full I'm, plate. Yeah, yeah, I had a full plate. I'm actually making some money right now, you know, like for BMX. This is good. Like, I'm, I'm stoked on this. So it just kind of like, oh, I'll do that. You know, I'll do it later once this... Once it slows down a little bit or something, which it didn't slow down for 10 years, you know? Right. Basically. <laughs> I, I remember thinking, I was like, because um, a lot of people kept talking, well, when's he going to do Anthem 2? When's uh-huh. he going to do Anthem 2? And I, re- uh, I, you, I was like, man, he does so much for props. He's always on the road. Yeah, like, when's yeah. he going to have time? Yeah. Like, 
So I kind of saw that, but I remember you you talking to me on uh, Road Fools 11. Mm-hmm. You're like, and this is a huge honor for me, of course, but you're like, Chris, I would love it if you had a part in Anthem too. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, of course. Like, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'll have a part. And then it was like five years later <laughs> when, when we finally start filming. I'm like, wow, that, that took a minute. I'm glad yeah. I'm still around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was, you know, it was one of those things. That, yeah, cool. I always want to do that, you know, but... Like I said, I was so busy, and and you know, it, moving to Texas too, I was so far removed from Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know, like so, it's like yeah, Ninth Street. That's a fun scene, but it's not like it's not like pusher. It's not like posh, you know. And so I didn't. Well, I wasn't like gonna try and you know film a bunch at Ninth Street and include that in like Anthem too. You know, it's like it's like okay, if I'm gonna do this, I want to you know eventually a little little as as I'm working on more and more props gigs, and you, it's like the filming's getting you're having fun and doing all this stuff, but it's getting serious. Like you're filming a guy's. I'm filming a Brian Kaczynski interview for props, and he wants to do gnarly stuff. And like people yeah. are, the people have raised the bar so high that they're like, okay, like if you're filming a part, they want to do like they want to do crazy stuff, you know? Yeah. And it just got to the point where you're like, okay, well now if I'm gonna do an anthem too, it's I don't necessarily want to follow the same formula where I just go to the couple same couple scenes. And especially, I was getting people coming up to me, like you know, you and and Aiken. I'd hear you know all these guys that were like, "Oh, this video, like, it kind of had an influence on me." So for me, I'm like, "Wow, that's." I'd kind of like to get the guys that it kind of had. You know, it's kind of like the next generation. You know, very different, very different styles of video. You know, like I said, one just kind of filming a lot of riding that's just going on, and it's more, you know, around based around these two scenes in the state, but. But I thought, wow, it's these other these guys always tell me that it impacted them so much that it's like I would love for them to be able to be a part of this video, and for me, that's kind of you know, yeah, I just kind of was like, man, that'd be that'd be kind of cool because these guys always talk about it. You always <laughs> ask yeah. me when I see it. You know? Well, plus you, you had a lot of adult responsibilities. You had you'd bought a house in Austin at this point. Like mm-hmm. you, now you have a mortgage and. You know, yeah. there's you know real life things that you have to tend to. So yeah. it's like, well, I got to pay my bills and do yeah. the props work. So like, you know, Anthem Two, of, of course, this this is a, a passion project. Is it yeah. just something that like yeah, it's in between squeezing it in between props projects and whatever else is going on at the time. Etney's video grounded started then, you know, and I mean, that's a project I couldn't say no to either. You know, so it's like, yeah, it's okay. I want to do this. I want to do this. We're just it's just a matter of scheduling and making it work with all these guys' schedules and. I knew it wasn't going to be a quick and easy one summer, you know, by that time, you're like, okay, this is going to Yeah, gonna well, be the whole out. landscape of BMX had changed at yeah. this point yeah. from, yeah. like, very different. 96, 97 to mm-hmm. where we were, you know, 10 years later. Yeah. So, um, I, man, I totally forgot in my notes about the Etnies video. I didn't write it down. Oh, grounded, yeah. Yeah, but I remember uh, you were heavily involved with that. Yeah, I was like... You were like the main I was guy. like, well, it was, you know, Mike Manzuri, who's, you know, he works at... Uh, Soltec, he heads up all the you know Etnies, America, S, you know a lot of those projects. Um, incredible, you know, legendary filmer and videographer in the skate world. Um, you know, he's the in-house guy. So, so the Mike, you're gonna you're gonna take the reins of this project, but we need you to hire some people within you know BMX to to help get the filming done. And uh, so Etnies had had planned this kind of shop stop skate park shop stop tour, uh, and it was starting in Austin, and it was gonna go up to like Michigan or something, you know. And um, so, you know, in that time, it's like Sandy Carson, Joe Rich, Taj, like all the, you know, all these incredible riders, Garrett Burns, like all these guys on Etnies that are just like rippers, you know? And uh, 
So the first shot or first stop is uh, ram, uh, one of the skate parks in Austin. You know, I can't remember what the name of the park was at that time, but but I'm like, oh cool, big session. Let's go out. You know, go out ride, and, and I just threw my camera in the car or whatever. You know, just in case I might need it or something. Um, but went in just to like you know just to ride. Came in with my bike, and you know this session was kind of already going on. I see Manzuri running around filming. You know, and and I mean you have you know you have eight incredible BMXers just flying around the skate park every direction. Mike's kind of like, what the, you know, I mean, it's intense, you know, like, um, and, and you know, these guys are, it's their local park, so they're just doing like crazy stuff yeah. everywhere, you know? And he was like super overwhelmed and he was just, I see what he, he, you know, the look on his face, like, what have I gotten myself into? Like, you know, I'm a little in over my head because, you know, Mike, awesome dude, but it was BMX, it was a total different world than skateboarding, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, you know, Joe or someone was like, you know, oh, this is Stu. I met him, you know. And and then I started riding for like maybe 10 minutes and he comes over. He's like, hey, man, you have your camera with you? Oh, yeah, I got out of the car. He's like, I need help bad. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like, I really need, I really need your help. If, you, if you'd be down to like help us film tonight, you know, for this, because they were making a road trip video out of it, you know. Okay. And uh, I said, yeah course that'd be cool you know i know all these dudes and you know i'm familiar with the tricks they do and the lines and all this stuff you know and uh i filmed that whole night and it was a huge help to him and then at the end of the night he's hey man can you come on this trip with us like because they're leaving tomorrow the next week he's like he's like it's a week like if you want to come on this trip you know we'll pay you this much to do it and yeah why wouldn't i like okay of course you know uh and that trip the main objective of it was to talk about this upcoming Etnies project, you know. Okay. They had done Forward a few years earlier, obviously incredible video, you know, but Dave Perrick wasn't going to be heading up this project. Um, so they were doing this road trip to kind of talk about ideas and who they might get to help film, you know, and uh, where they wanted to go and all, just, you know, concept for the video and stuff. Mm. And uh, yeah, we did that trip and by the end of it, Mike's like, hey, you want to you wanna be the filmer on this project? Like the BMX filmer, you know, yeah. like he was going to handle everything out in California mostly, but you know, I'm, I'm living in Austin. So half the Etnies team is like in Austin, you know, yeah. or, or either down there quite a bit, you know? And I was just like, wow, do you know, like yeah. forward is, it's one of the, you know, greatest BMX videos of all time. Of all time. It's yeah. so epic. And I mean, and I had filmed some stuff for that, you know, I'd probably, there's probably maybe 30 clips in forward that I filmed cause I was, you know, same thing, Peric was out in California and I was in Austin, so I helped film like Taj and, yeah. and Joe and Sandy and, and Ruben, a bunch of Ruben stuff, you know? Um, so I think, you know, Mike knew, okay, well this guy is gonna live in Austin, you know, he, they all, they're all, all the riders are friends with him, he'll be able to, you know, get done what we need to get done. So and that was like a year and a half or two year, I can't remember exactly how long the project was, but, but it was like, they put me like on salary, you know. I mean, I was getting paid each month, you know, regardless of whether if the guys wanted to go out filming or not, you know. It was yeah. Like, it was it was just an honor to be asked to do it, you know. Uh, it sounds like again like another like right place, right time. Yeah, like. yeah. Yeah, and and I didn't, you know, I didn't edit any of the video. Like that was the thing, you know. All the footage would go out to Mike, and I'd go out there with him, and we kind of go through some mm -hmm. of the footage before the mm -hmm. editing process. But um, the really cool thing about that video was, okay, well, we have this huge team. You know who's gonna have parts we're not really sure we got this flow team you know it's aaron ross brian kaczynski you know danny hickerson a few other dudes you know and it's you know it's over oh, these guys gonna have what, what are we gonna do with these guys and pova said to me hey whoever wants a full part whoever films a full part gets a full part in the video mm. 
you know. So I and I, I told Kaczynski and Aaron that, and they're like, "Let's do it," you know. Oh, young. And they, yeah, exactly. Those yeah. dudes were young, and they were they were ready to go out and you know. I mean, understandably, you know, sometimes when guys are pros and they've they're doing a lot of filming. This has been going on for a few years. You know, they're not going to be eager to go on every trip. You know, they're not always looking to like. You know, they don't have that eye of the tiger all the time. You know, which is understandable. You know. But when you have these guys who are young and they just they're ready to do it, yeah. and those guys, you know, they oh, <laughs> they, they couldn't have down. Yeah, and yeah. and I mean, you watch Brian's part, you watch Aaron's part, like those kind of put those guys like on the map, you know. Right after that, after the video, they got bumped to the Etnies Pro yeah. Team, and this, which is an incredible honor for them. Yeah. So for me, that was really cool to work with those guys, especially you know, like because yeah. they just they were all about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in. Uh, and not to take anything away from any of the other guys, I think those were some of the most memorable parts. Was yeah, the Aaron yeah, Ross part and yeah, the Kaczynski part? Because yeah, you hadn't seen that much from them, you know. A you knew bit. they were good, yeah. but you didn't know it was they hadn't be like that. up until that point. You know, I mean, they had a you know they had stuff in some other videos, but to have the resources that were presented to them, and I mean, you know, yeah, Aaron had a part in, in the Empire video before that. That was great. It was all Texas what? mostly. We're taking Aaron Ross and Brian Kaczynski to Germany. You know, we're going to all these different countries. And well, I think in a way it's like it, a you know? like a changing of the guard. Yeah, so to speak. I, yeah. I definitely felt that way too. Like it yeah. is a little bit. Yeah. This is kind of like where Etnies is going. And again, not not to take away yeah. from any of the other guys, but like it was like these guys are young, they're hungry, they want yeah. the, the, they the next generation. Yeah. yeah, like like we yeah like we all have our day, you know. And mm -hmm. you you have to like, and that was I feel like that video was the day that like. We saw the Aaron Rosses and Brian Kachitsky start to shift, and like, you know, the Joe and Todges became more of like the legacy, yeah. and and they became the present, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Um, I'm I'm gonna go back to Anthem too. Okay. Um, eventually, you do select a cast. Mm -hmm. You got your crew. Um, we start filming. Everyone starts <laughs> filming. It's like you know, Sean Burns, Jeff Slattery, yeah. Aiken. Yeah. Um, uh, the, 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 I know I'm leaving. There's a lot of other. Mark like, Mulville. Yeagle. Mulville, Yeagle. Oh, Yeag yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's mostly a dream roster. From, yeah. You know, like, it's basically, if you, you know, I mean, the fact that a lot of you guys were influenced by the first one, you know, that was a big part of it. But it's like, that meant you were influenced by that. So that's the kind of writing you, you, you know, you took it and you ran with it, you know? And it was just like. That for that writing from the first one like magnified, you know, and just progressed and like yeah, it um, was everyone like when you asked was everyone like yes let's, yeah I want to be a part of it was it like yeah, was no. anyone you had to like convince like you should no be there there were no everyone was was into it you know it, it didn't pan out that everybody that initially agreed ended up having a full part you know because because Eli Platt was like yes you know I, I think a guy like Eli he was kind of like. Wow, my writing doesn't really fit the bill for an anthem, you know. And he was he was stoked to get you know for me to ask him, but he was like, "Oh, are you sure people want to see?" What? Yeah, he's a real modest guy. He's like, "Are you sure people want to see what I'm doing in an anthem video?" I'm like, yeah, man, of course, you know. Um, it was me mostly guys that I loved watching ride, you know. Uh, you know, I didn't I didn't know Jeff Slattery very much, you know. Like I'd seen him, I had seen like a Little Devil like video at Maple Shade, and I was like, "Wow." Yeah, I didn't know Jeff Road Street at all, you right. know. Um, but it was it was guys that for one reason or another, like you know, it's like I could just see this guy being in it, you know, being in the video. Like Chase agreed to have a full part, but it didn't pan out that he had a full part. But same with Eli. But those made it into split yeah, sections split or whatever. Part, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, 
Was it really difficult filming a Brian Yeagle part? In my opinion, <laughs> well, in my eyes, I was like, that's probably the hardest guy. That, to film. that was the one I was like, I bet he's not going to be into it or whatever, you know. So when he said, yeah, I, it was just a shot in the dark. I didn't really know Brian that well, you know. I met him in passing once or twice here or there, you know. But um, yeah, I said, oh man, well, if I have a dream roster, okay. Brian Yeagle is a guy that I don't get to see hardly any footage of, but when I do, it's mind-blowing. Shot in the dark. Email him and yeah. Okay, I, I kind of want to hear just speaking of Brian Yeagle, like one like random clip like in his intro that I don't really know the story behind, but I can like kind of understand the spirit of like what he was feeling at the time. And he just like, whatever he does, he like crashes. He's like, at this point in my life... <laughs> Yeah. And like I want to know the story behind that quote, like there's, because there's not even really much to it. It's just a, it, I think he was having a really off day or something. It, it, it was it was the clip. He like just jumps a set of East Side and he just hits the eject button super high, you know. And then uh, I think that's the one where the where the quote comes from. And he was just like, I think he was just saying something. At this point in my life, should I really just be hitting the eject button for no reason? <laughs> you know, something like similar along those lines. But I just like cut the one little quote because I just thought it was funny. Right, right. But it seems. I mean, I get that it was funny. He was just disappointed in himself. <laughs> right. I get that it was funny and it was lighthearted. But like, it. You also kind of sensed like a deeper meaning behind yeah. it. Like, like, yeah. like this dude's going through some shit right now. Yeah. Like, like not not on some like crazy level, but like. I don't know. I was just curious because yeah. you 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 feel something from that quote, like that this guy's like thinking or feeling something deeper. And I guess I'm just yeah. curious. Well, I think what that, that I was. think that's probably the thing. What you know, a lot of people that are riding, you know, <clears throat> professionally or something, you know, like you're when it's good, it's good. But when you're going through the ringer, you're like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this to myself? Mm. What, you know, yeah. like to an extent, you know, you're just like. You're an adult, a grown man, and you're like tossing yourself around on this little bicycle, and you're probably like, you know, it's just like you're like, like this is my life. Like, what am, what am I doing with myself right now? You know, just like, yeah, just lighthearted kind of like jab at himself for like, uh, why do I do this? But, um, well, he was always but, that dude though that he could go from the verge of doing like the best thing ever to like absolute like yeah yeah you know crazy yeah. crash yeah. and. Uh, well, That's why I, 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 Walter was in Pittsburgh one time, and, and Walter and I were filming, and he's like, "Oh, I'd love to do a bio with with Yeagle," because mm -hmm. Walter was working for Props at the time yeah. too. And I'm just kind of like, "Good luck," yeah, because Yeagle's not going to tell you when he's going to do something. No, yeah, um, you got to be ready. And yeah. like, sure enough, like Walter'd be like filming me, and then he would like, see out of the corner of his eye, Yeagle do something super yeah. badass yeah. for no reason, yeah. no one watching, yeah. no, no, no one filming, yeah. And uh, Walter would like, "Hey, Yeagle, you think you could do that again?" And Brian would be like, no, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Like Gar he didn't. Gar Burns style. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like just didn't yeah. care at all like about like getting that clip or anything. So I, I think with Diego, like it, I, I feel like I lucked out getting that whole part to even happen. You know, like it, the fact that I made some of the older some of the older videos that I had made and he had probably watched a couple of them when he was younger made him go, okay, yeah, I'll, maybe I'll give it a shot. You know, try it or whatever. Yeah. But he was, yeah. I mean, filming with him is a completely unique experience not like anyone I've ever filmed with before yeah he doesn't tell you when he's doing half this stuff it's like you just as soon as you get to the park you pull the camera out and you're you got to be ready for him to try it I mean assume you, you just almost have to assume that he's gonna do something ridiculous because he probably is but he, he gotta tell you he's not gonna give you a heads up and if you miss it the more times he tries it the worse it gets yeah usually it's pulled first try and then it's straight downhill after that, it's, so it's you. You, you got to be ready to get it. He's yeah. just spontaneous. He's like, very spontaneous. Nothing's planned. It's like just like, no one I've ever seen. Like him and the maniac. 
yeah. I feel like they're like, okay, we're gonna go as fast as possible in this direction, mm-hmm. and we're gonna whatever comes our way, we'll hit it, That's and like, <laughs> whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Like that was like I feel like their mentality. Yeah, we'll navigate or negotiate whatever comes our Derek way. Like Gerard. as soon as this, yeah. Derek Gerard yeah. is the maniac for yeah. the people that are. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> I yeah. think anyone that's watching a stew podcast would know who the maniac is. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, you might have some young listeners. Yeah, I, I think the takeaway after that whole video is finished, I'm, that's the thing I'm most proud of. Like, man, we we got a Brian Yeagle part like in the books, you know. That's personally my favorite part in the video. Yeah, I think um, it's mine too. Actually, the clip of him manualing over the uh, the bridge yeah. and the trains going underneath. Yeah. I remember being at the premiere in Pittsburgh and everyone's like, "Whoa!" <laughs> and the tail tap. The tail tap that he oh, does. Oh yeah, yeah, on the skinny quarter. Yeah, yeah, Oakland. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- I mean, the, the premiere is happening in Pittsburgh, so yeah. everyone knows. Yeah, that you, spot. it's a thing you drive by all the time if you're in Pittsburgh, and and you're like, oh, that'd be sick if somebody insert anything, any yeah. trick, and then yeah, the the Pittsburgh premiere, everyone's like, what? No yeah, way! Yeah, like yeah. someone got on top. Yeah, because there was no photo, no one, you know, probably hardly anyone. You know, that day, I don't know, it. I don't know if you remember this, but we were riding around. I'm like, Yeagle, you should tail tap that. And he's like, <laughs> really? I'm like, yeah, just do a tail tap on that. Uh, yeah. And uh, he's like, uh, yeah, okay. And I was probably like, Stu, he's going to do, Stu, yeah. watch this. Like, yeah. And then, yeah, you guys got the clip. And he was just like, yeah, whatever. I'm like, dude, that's crazy. Yeah, super casual about the, yeah. the, the craziest stuff you could you ever don't do. Understand. So um, uh, I, I know this was your goal for Anthem 2, but you win the Nora Cup. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I know that, I yeah know that's what think. I was gunning for. Um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, so are you using it for like a doorstop or a cereal bowl or? or it holds my mail sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's in my office, like on a. I mean, in no disrespect to the ride guys, that's you know that was really cool winning that. But I'm not like, to me the you know I'm just not a competitive person. So the concept of like my video beat your video or this whatever you know it's just mm-hmm. these projects they mean different things to different people and. That's cool that it resonated with a lot of people and they enjoyed it, and I'm stoked on that. And it's yes, you know, it's a, it's, it's flattering to get something like that. But I don't, yeah, I don't really. I know, I know that wasn't your goal, but I also don't think you need to think of it as like a competitive, natured thing. I think you created something special. You created something inspirational, and you got recognized for that. It's no, not that it, you beat somebody else's yeah, video, yeah. or that you beat somebody else's part, but you you were recognized for your commitment and for that special thing that you created. I I don't think it's... It's nice and for me really the thing is like, you know, I I couldn't make that video by myself. Like it was you, you know, it was Yeagle, it was Clint, it was everybody. It was, that was our project, you know? So it's like, I know they give one Nora Cup and whatever and they put my name on it, but it's like, that's our project, you know? We made that together and... With, With the Nora Cup though, like, that night, I was like, you know what? Like, I, I treated it more of like a lifetime achievement award. I, I mean, you won it for for Anthem too, yeah. but at the same time, I was like, yeah, he's. Mm. I'm, I'm so glad he's getting recognized. Like, I know it's just an award, and you said it in your speech. You're like, you know, it's it's weird to win an award because you know we're all just kind of doing the same thing. Yeah, I, I think that was like your opening line, mm. and I'm just like, no, but you also contributed to 1201 and mm-hmm. and lights out and all these other things that meant so much to a lot of people mm-hmm. that I'm like. Yeah, and you deserve I, this award. And like, I think that's an important thing to point out. I, I never thought of it that way, like a Lifetime Achievement Award. That's that's interesting fact because um, you, you're right. Like like his commitment to not only BMX, but like his commitment to the road yeah. is like a pretty special thing. And like without that commitment, 
to the road and to a different type of lifestyle than anyone else is used to, these types of things aren't possible. So, absolutely, like good point. I think like I think the landscape of BMX would look different without Stu Johnson. Where where Maybe, it's been, I mean, where it's at, like it, yeah, uh, yeah. and again, I don't. I'm not trying to blow too much smoke. Yeah, I, know. I know this is like the Stu Johnson appreciation podcast. <laughs> um, uh, but we can move on from that because I, I can tell, like, you know, like, I don't want to talk about, about my accolades and awards too much. But uh, I thought that I was like, I definitely. Yeah. I mean, uh, to me, at the end of the day, it's I'm a, it's a video that I'm really proud of, and I'm it's for me. I'm as honored to be able to make it with you guys as you guys say it is to be in it, you know, like, it's like, okay, this is cool, man. This is like, we got to collaborate and, you know, yeah, put our heads together and make something that we're all stoked on. And we're lucky enough that other people are stoked on it too. And it's, yeah. it's, you know, I can be like, Stu, I want to ride to this song. And you're like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah when it comes to music, I'm a, I have to try to shut you down a few times. Um, yeah, that, I, I remember asking for like a, I forget what song I wanted to write to, and you're like, nah, man, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> he, had to, he had to, you know. You just had to be more stern, because I wanted Burns to ride to a different song, and he shut me down. I'm like, okay, you're right. Like, uh, did Burns, Sean Mack's not the only one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Didn't Burns want to ride to uh, Crocodile Rock? Was that what it did? Yeah, by Elton John. That was, I mean, for me, that was like, the, one of the coolest parts of working on that video is, like I met Sean a couple times and same with Clint but becoming good friends with those guys like the the amount of you know laughing you do with both of those dudes it's yeah it's Dude. that, that that was that's what I take away from that video like man that was really awesome building friendship with those guys like getting to know Clint I think that was the first time <laughs> any of us got to know Clint and it just like you being in England with him and like he's like uh we're listening to um red red wine on on his podcast and it's, his, uh, yeah, his it's a UB40 song. And uh, he's like, oh, man, Bob Marley. So is yeah. Stevie well, Nicks no, the other, Yeah, we, yeah we, would, we would quiz him. We're like, we realized that he was familiar with all these songs. He's hearing them on, you know, uh, an iPod or whatever every day at the trails. You know, he probably just got a whole bunch of music from all his friends. He, he, he was familiar with all these songs, but he had no idea who any of the artists were right. whatsoever. Totally clueless. So we started quizzing him, you know. He would get everything we'd ask, you know, he would, he would get it, like, very wrong. Yeah, UB40, who's this? Oh, is red red wine? Is that Bob Marley? You know, and it's like the total opposite. Same style of music, but like, you know, you couldn't be any more like on the opposite spectrum, yeah. you know. And then, then the second to last day, I was listening to Fleetwood Mac on my my iTunes, and he's like, "I'm like Clint, who is this?" And he's like, "Stevie Nicks." You know, whoa, you you got you know that's one of the people in the band. Yeah, I was like, "Do you know the band?" Like, mm, I don't really know. The, you know, I don't know the band. He gave up. I was like, "Well, that's you got one. I'll, just, I'll give you one." You know. And the next day, he was like trying to show off in front of you and Yeager, and he's like, "Guys, I got one." He's like, "Yeah, we were listening to Fleetwood Mac, and Clinton knew who it was." He's like, "Yeah, Stevie Nicks, that's my boy." <laughs> yeah, and we just were like, like the record scratched, and those guys looked at him, and we were all just like, we almost pissed ourselves Dude, laughing. The, and now he's gonna watch this, and he's gonna say, "Still won't let that one go." Will you? <laughs> he's gonna, yeah. You couldn't have scripted. No, actually, yeah, it was pure comedy. But, jeez. Um, so where do we go from here? Um, Which people don't know, Stevie Nicks is a woman. It's not a boy. It's not his boy. Yeah, I hope that everyone watching knows that. Like, uh, Stevie Nicks is, in fact, a woman. Yeah. Um, but so uh, after Anthem, uh, I, I believe, like, props is still going. It's still kind of going, it's, but it's, it's yeah, it's, it's the, the DVD age is on its way out, you know. It's, the, the numbers are down, and it's just, like, it's, you can tell it's like, oh, yeah. man, it's... 
Um, was there a point when you were the fit team manager? No, I was never the TM, but, but this guy, you know, after the, after the, the, the fit cult split or whatever, you know, he wanted to get a full length going, you know, with this, some of these new guys that they got on the roster and, and he was just like, I, I we want to do, yeah. I think it's important to point out just since you brought that up, like, is that like when that whole divide happened with, you know, I just really... I was just passionate about what Fit was doing, so I didn't want to see it, like, just fall victim to some drama that was going on. So I, I really became, like, passionate about, like, seeing, like... Were you the Fit TM? I, I, w I was never officially the Fit TM, but I kind of, I just by nature took the reins. I mean, I'd been part of the brand for a number of years, and... And I was, I mean, to be honest, I was a little bit angry about the way things happened. And I mean, I, I don't want to go down that that road, but like, so I, I felt like this um, inherited nature to say like, no, like this is, this, this shit's going to be okay. Like, because I'm going to make sure it's okay. So I, you know, I, I kind of like brought Stu on board. Like I, I talked to Moeller and I was like, hey, like, we need to get some trips going. We need to get people on the trips. We need to blah, blah, blah. And so we got we got Stu on board, like, filming some of the trips. We did, like, a lot of, like, fit trippings. So we did, like, a street a street version of it with, like, Eddie Cleveland and Pat King and, like, some other riders in, like, California. And then we did, like, a trail, a trail slash, like, park version in um, Pennsylvania with Stu. Uh, no, that was Navaz. no. I didn't do that. One. That yeah. was Navaz. Yeah. So you weren't until after that. <clears throat> yeah. So like, I guess, I guess in a way, like I kind of took the reins. But then eventually, Stu kind of came on board, and was what, what was your first fit tripping? It was the AZ one. Sean Mack was like, okay, he, he just got on the team. Right, 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 right. right. Okay. Yeah. That meant, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. So, Conway so like, yeah. Like, so like, at yeah. some point, Stu came on board, and then. I said like Chris, we we need to do a full length, you know. And so I like really just pushed for for Stu to to do a full length. So then it kind of became like almost like naturally like neither one of us was officially like a TM or anything with fit, but we were just both passionate about the projects. Yeah, making so, the trips happen and just yeah, it's just like yeah. So it wasn't like we were TMs or like anything. Like I rode for Fit, he worked for Fit, but like we just kind of wanted these each individual project to to come out awesome. So it it, be, it kind of took on a new life, and yeah. I, I don't know, run with it from there. Yeah, no, it was it was, it was just the fact that we were like, yeah, okay, let's let's do these trips. Let's this is cool. Let's you know, kind of Moeller has a lot going on. Well, okay, well we're gonna make sure you know we're gonna pick the dates or we're gonna get these guys on the trip. And you know, I mean, I, at at one point I think we both had like. A team card, you know, to, okay, here you guys make this happen, yeah. go do what you got to do. You know, it's kind of like, just let us run with it to, you know, they just had the faith in us to, you know, kind of steer the ship on the video side of stuff. Well, plus you got to film a, a Van Homan hammer part, like, uh, um, you guys reunite for, you know, <laughs> after Anthem, come back, and uh, I thought that part was... That part was heavy. Yeah, that was fun. I mean, it was a fun project. Like, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I know that you you wanted to do another full length, and you wanted to, 
not just have contributing filmers here and there? You, you know. Well, no, I mean, for me, that was definitely one of the things that was really special about Holy Fit was to be able to... I felt like every project I'd worked on since Criminal Mischief, which was released in 2001? I think it was one. Yeah. yeah. So every, every project I'd worked on since then, I felt like there was some sort of compromise. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to work with a filmer that is just as passionate about this project as I am, mm-hmm. as a writer. And I want to be a lot of the time that's necessary to produce the part I, I want to put out. You know, so like then with Stu working on some of those like trip edits and things and then like me pushing Chris to say like, hey, we need to do a full length. We need to do this right. We need to take the time to do it right. And Chris eventually got on board. And that to me was like special because like I wanted to just like do it right. And I really felt like even that point in my life and my career that like this was, it wasn't the end of my career, but it was like my last full pull. This was like the last time I'm giving it 110 to like make this type of video part. So, you know, I I don't know, to have somebody like Stu Johnson like working on me with this and to be able to like collaborate with him on like every aspect of it and to have him like understand it, like I'm literally sending him like lists of like clips that like we filmed and like, I'm like, all right, well I already have like this kind of like rail manual clip. So like, I don't need to worry about a rail manual clip anymore, but like, a bar to ice clips, but I need this kind of tail whip clip. And it was just like, we're just going back and forth and we're like having like a organic like relationship yeah. working on this part because we both, we both give a shit. It's not like, it's not a job. It's not work. It's like a passion. Like we want to create this like special thing. Yeah. You know? And like, a lot of it I would say is very, de- was very deliberate. Uh, yeah. yeah like totally. it's like we knew we had, you know, we knew what we were going in trying to achieve. You know, we wanted to make a sick team video, you know, with like, a banger part from him, you know, and was, the other guys too. Yeah, the the Sean Mack part was insane. Yeah, yep. um, Conway, yeah, all those dudes. Dude, had... people went in. Yeah, um, and that was the the video part. Was that when you got you you rocked your head pretty hard in well, uh, was it Japan or something? Uh, well, China. Like, you thought you were that, but I think that was before we even started. Well, maybe we were like, actually, you know what? You're right because. If I'd have got that clip, that would have been saved for the video. Yeah, so, yeah. so like as we were working on Holy Fit, we were also like we're doing, doing web content. we were doing other projects throughout it. So okay. like, so like I was doing like a little documentary on me being in China. Yeah. But like that clip that we were trying to film where I rocked my head, if I'd have pulled that, that would have been a clip for the video, and yeah. he probably wouldn't even included that in the China video. Yeah. But like I rocked my head, I didn't pull the clip, so it it added. Yeah. It added depth to the to that piece, so we like included it, unfortunately or unfortunately, whichever way you <laughs> yeah. look at it. Yeah. But um, yeah, we were we were we were using every trip, every opportunity to create multiple multiple like depths of content. Yeah. And and like just give like give fit the most benefit we could and give Chris the most like benefit yeah. we could for his money that he was spending to send us on yeah. to amazing places. Getting, and getting web pieces and, and we're, you know, because yeah. you're, you're going to go on a trip and the way Van rides, he's probably going to have two or three clips from that trip will be in his part. 
But you're going to produce all this other stuff. But I'm just going to ride the park too. Yeah, exactly. You're going to do it all. So it's not, we're not going to come away from a a whole trip with three clips. We're going to make other content too. Yeah, Yeah, like I have a high standard for my video part, but like I'm also just going to ride and have fun. Have the... um the the clip that I was talking about was when like Van hits his head oh, yeah. and then he 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 thinks he's in Houston Texas oh yeah he has <laughs> no clue he's in China Dallas have, have Dallas, you, Dallas I'm yeah. sorry I'm sorry okay. did you uh, has that ever been a thing with with riders where you kind of had to shut them down have you ever been like hey look uh, we're not doing this right now well you know like, I I've, I don't I don't ever recall shutting someone down when they're eyeing something up or they say hey I want to try this um, you know. I'm dealing with a professional bike rider. You you know better than I know if you can pull this trick. You're the one that has to see it in your head, you know? And and I trust your instinct. You know, like I said, you, you know better than I know what you, you're capable of. So if someone says they're going to do something crazy, uh, you know, uh, or just, you know, very dangerous or whatever, you know, and I'm like, I trust them. It's, they know what they're doing. They're an adult, you know? They, they know they're doing, you know, what you're doing is very dangerous, cap- you know, but... Again, I'm not there. I'm not there to talk anyone in, into doing it if they're not sure. And I'm not talk not sure and not there to talk anyone out of doing it. You know, like if I were to say, "Oh yeah, but this is dangerous or this could go wrong," then I'm putting doubt in their head. Right. And and right. more times than not, they've already decided if they're if they're if they're telling me about it, they've already decided that they're going to do it. You know. Gotcha. So it's I I I trust them. You know, his his case, he got hurt. He wanted to try it again. It wasn't worth it. He was, you know, he didn't realize how injured he was. I mean, he couldn't even have tried it again if he wanted to. My bike was... Yeah, he, everything, it was just like, yeah, he was, you know, luckily after a minute, he realized how bad it was. And yeah, you're right. I'm, we need to go to the hospital, you know. But he was so driven, his instinct was to just jump up and like, okay, I'm going to do it again. And you're not doing it again. We've seen that van drive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why he is who he is. Yeah. But you snap the chain, you run that bike across <laughs> yeah. the finish. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I, yeah, I'm not gonna. You know, you know better than I know what you're gotcha. gonna. You know, so gotcha. if if they think they got it, I think they got it. Okay. Okay. Um, well, let's bring it up to like current day. Um, you're doing a lot of work for ESPN. Mm-hmm. You're in charge. You're the you're the producer. Wait, so wait, wait, hold up. So we just we just we we spent like. An hour on twelve oh one, but we're just gonna blow over Holy Fit. Like, I'm sorry, man. Okay, no, okay, no, 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 no. Move on, move on, move on. It's okay. I'm. You didn't mention. I'm or, you didn't mention him getting his Nora cup from Holy Fit. I'm sorry. Van also won the Nora cup. No, from we, Holy. we, we won a Nora. Okay, okay. Fair enough. I can't. I can't argue that. I'm joking. That. I'm joking. Go. go, uh, go. No, so we're all we're at X Games mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Um, and you've been doing a lot of uh, a lot of work for ESPN, mm-hmm. uh, primarily for like the real street stuff. I know you, you judge it. Uh, yeah, events. real BMX, real uh, street is the skateboarding show. I'm sorry, but that's okay. Every a lot of people make that mistake, and I have to. I was, you know, everyone puts the hashtag real street, and I'm like, that's cool. I'm stoked that you're doing the hashtag, but you're promoting the skateboarding show. Let's oh, get real geez. BMX. Okay, over. real. But BMX. yeah, that's okay. Yep. Um, real BMX. I'm sorry. Because that's the that was the flagship show, the one or the one that started it. You know, I'll the go skateboard. Back so they got to claim. We're using the real street in the name. You know, I'll so. consider editing that so I sound a little <laughs> bit better as a host. But um, so you're doing the real BMX stuff. Yes. Um, such an amazing production in that everyone involved is a BMXer. Like uh, I, I've been, I've had the you know very fortunate opportunity to work with you guys, and you know I look around the room and everyone's a a, a BMXer. Every everyone that is involved, like everyone that touches it, you know, has something to do mm-hmm. with BMX. And I always thought that was like, you know, the best thing about it. And uh, so talk a little bit about like 
you know, your involvement uh, in how you got into that gig in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I guess if I had to, if I had to say how I got into that gig, uh, it's probably Brian Tunney is probably the guy. Yeah, they, they, you know, Brian Tunney works at X Games. Um, so I'm sure when they said that they wanted to do one of these, he probably said, oh, well, this is the guy that you want to do it, you know, so I have him to thank for that. But I had done content for the X Games website for a few years, you know, for a while uh, leading up to that. So I guess they knew that, hey, this guy's done work for us before and we've never had an issue, you know. So th that was you know, good enough for them. I, I, and they trusted Brian, you know, like of course. Brian's like, oh, I've worked with this guy for, you know. Well, he knows the work ethic. He knows the history. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they they said hey you know and and they've been doing the skate one for a while. Other other dis, you know other sports were getting theirs you know and I think a lot of people are like man this is this is cool. It's a cool project like it's you know very authentic and man are we gonna get a BMX one? So when he told me that hey they they want to do one they're gonna ask you, I was like it's like yeah I mean I'd love to do it. That's that's you know in the scope of things it's a way bigger project than I've ever you know I mean. Doing Anthem Two is a lot different than signing a you know twenty-page contract from you know ABC, Disney, ESPN, whatever. You know, it's yeah. like so. Um, yeah, it just it was it was kind of a little overwhelming, but I knew that it was an opportunity that I couldn't say no to. It was it was like wow, this is our chance to like you know show a very real side of BMX that 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 most more people probably do on the regular, you know. Especially I mean, I mean, now. I mean, yeah. yeah, especially now. Yeah, it's 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 not in a stadium. There's not, you know, you don't have to have all these crazy cameras on you. There's not a course. You, it's not go when the lights are on or what, you know, like whenever. It's just, these guys are going out and they're filming with their, you know, their friend or their, you know, their filmer or whatever, and they're doing something that's very natural. To you know, a lot of these guys are film video parts anyways. So it's we're taking this very real side of BMX and showing it to the world, which is authentic you know it's like okay this is what a lot of these guys really do you know yeah it's yeah I feel like that's you know it's for the street rider at least yeah. that's as real as it gets yeah and you and you do a good job of like documenting like the relationship between the rider and the filmer and what like not fun, only yeah. the rider goes through but what the filmer goes through as yeah. well yeah. Um, and you, like, you talk about the process of it all and mm -hmm. uh, I would I think it's like such a well-done show it's like you know, and it's on like primetime television. It's, yeah, it's, it blows, which blows my mind. That's, uh, yeah. If you would have told me when I was younger, yeah, you're gonna make a television show. You, you know, we're starting, getting ready to start on our fifth one. And if you would have told me that before, I'd be like, you're crazy. Like, that's not, you know, like and, that's and the, something a guy, as someone who's just like a BMX guy, doesn't get an opportunity to do. You know, yeah. like, um, and it, it's free. You know, it's like the. I thought too. Okay, when this happens, you know, I'm probably gonna have a lot of people over my shoulder. You know, oh, you gotta do this. You gotta steer it this way. You got, and it's, it is so. They're so hands off. It, I really can't believe that. You know, that once we we get a lineup, you know, I'll share it with the higher ups, and they're like, okay, cool. I just tell them why I think this guy is gonna, you know, produce a solid video part, and they're like, yeah, cool. But but I okay. think I think I personally think that speaks volumes for you as to how good of a job you've done producing an entertaining show that both entertains the masses and represents BMX well, yeah. is that they're not questioning you. Mm -hmm. They're saying, yeah, do your thing because you haven't screwed it up yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like you're, you're, you're like, you're doing a good job for a brand like ESPN 
while also representing BMX in a very positive light. And that's a pretty special thing. Well, yeah. in addition to that, um, when you're like commentating at an event, uh, a lot of times they're like, okay, you need to speak on, speak to the person that might be tuning in to a BMX event for the very first time. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have to cater to like an expert, an mm -hmm. expert that might be tuning in. So you have to like kind of walk that line between both. And I thought that the show does that. Like someone that's watching it for the first time, like, oh, I get that. I get what they're doing. Like, mm -hmm. and then like, you know, a pro that might be watching. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, the, I, I've, I, I can totally get the same thing. Like, so yeah. I, th I always thought that was like, that's a delicate balance. Yeah. And I always thought you did a really good job to, with that as well. To me, that's probably the most important part of, of the whole gig is, uh, you know, I'm making, producing, you know, because making it with these people, all these other people involved, but I, I want, I want it to, I want the person at home, whether they ride a bike or not, you know, to be like, oh, that was cool. I can kind of understand what they're doing. And I want the BMX rider to watch it and go, oh, that wasn't even, that wasn't corny. Like, you know, this is yeah. like, I'm not embarrassed to show, you know, if people say, what do you do? Oh, I do this. Watch this. Like, mm. you know, they're not like. How Vanner oh. felt watching 1201. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it's just, I want, I want that, and I want it to speak to a broader audience. Now, I want, I want BMXers to be psyched on it, but I also want it to hopefully pour, pull more people into BMX, you know? Help yeah. grow the sport. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, it, you know, and that comes down to a lot of different things, like different personalities, styles, writing styles, you know, um, having guys who might be really well known and having guys that might be less well, less known, you know? Um, I want, you know, I want a kid who's watching it at home say, you know, you have this kid and he's, he's kind of interested in BMX, you know, enough that, oh, I'm gonna check out this show, you know? He could watch it and he could see a guy like, you know, is Chad Curley, you know, a guy who's writing technical, maybe he's into hip hop or whatever, you know, and this kid, Maybe he relates to that, and that's like, oh, that's cool. Or maybe he's like, nah, that doesn't really speak to me. But then he sees Colt Fake, or he sees Dave Crone, and he's like, this guy is like punk rock, and he's, you know, Colt Fake's jumping off buildings or whatever, you know. Like, I want your your viewer to be like, oh, you don't ride BMX one particular way. It's really uh, open to interpretation. Well, like you can, it's freestyle. You, you, yeah, it's freestyle. You take you take the bike, and then you do what you want with it. You run yeah. with it, you know. You want to jump down a crazy set of stairs? Do it. You want to nose wheelie a little curb? Do that. You know, like it's there's no rules, and that's that's what got me into BMX. You know, I was I grew up in this small town in Indiana, and you know I tried football for a season. I tried baseball for a season. Uh, you know, none of it. I tried it, but nothing spoke to me. It didn't speak to me. You know, I had a bike. You know, and and. And I got the bike. You know, I got the bike when I was five or six. I didn't know it was a sport, but it was like freedom. You pedal around the neighborhood and whatever, you know. Uh, but I, tr but when I started trying out these other sports and uh, nothing spoke to me, you know, it, it was the fact that, you know, there were teams, and that's great. But I wasn't really, you know, I was a little weirdo kid. I started listening to heavy metal. I was getting long hair, you know. The, you know, I lived in a small town, in Indiana, so a lot of the guys were kind of either like. You know, they were kind of like these either jockey guys or they're kind of like farmer guy, you know, and they, oh, nice hair, you know, <laughs> nice hair, faggot or something like that. And you're like, you know, and you're just like, oh, really? Like, you know, I didn't relate to a lot of those people and it seemed so small minded. But, it, you know, then I look, I see BMX and I see all these different kinds of people doing it. And I open up, you know, this 
this magazine, and I don't know if you know who John Diz Hicks is. He's an yeah. old freestyler. Yeah. But he, you know, he was a, he lived in California. But he's a metalhead. He had metal. long hair. He had spike bracelets. He had like an Exodus sticker under his visor. And I'm like, whoa, this guy probably listens to the same music I listen to. And and you know, he he is wearing a a freestyle kind of a uniform, but he's doing his own thing with it. He's adding like you know his spike bracelets and his stickers mm. on his bike, and he was you know all aggro and all the shots. And I was like. Wow, this is kind of cool. This guy, he doesn't, you know, there's a lot of different people in these things that look different, but he was like way different. And I could like kind of latch on to like that lifestyle. Oh, he liked this heavy music. And, and I, I think probably shortly after seeing that, first thing I ever had to like really ride in the small town was we built a wedge ramp in my driveway, you know? Because he was like a big wedge ramp rider, you yeah. know? But oh, it's yeah. like, you just, you find something, you see something that is, you can relate to in a certain way, and you're just like, yes. Yeah, I, I I like the way that looks, or that looks. You know, I just feel like I can grasp that. You know, and, and self expression, all the yeah. you know. All you stuff. you see like, that like fanatical core of yeah. of BMX. And, yeah, and, there, are no and, rule, there are no rules to freestyle. Yeah, yeah. I, I well, that, that's funny how you relate. You kind of like tied all that together from like small town Indiana to working for ESPN, yeah. and you know the sense of community that mm-hmm. you've portrayed in so many of your videos and everything. I I think that's a, a, a good. Um, Unless there's, of course, anything you're trying to add, if you'd like to add. Um, trying to add, not that I can really think um, of, but. I feel like we've covered a lot. Yeah. This has been really <laughs> great. Um, so that's kind of where I'm going to end the interview. Uh, although I do have like um, a, like two kind of fun questions. Like, mm-hmm. Of all the projects that you've done, what one, maybe two, are you most proud of? Like that you look back on, you're like, man, that was like some of my best stuff. From like the writing to the editing to the filming, yeah, it's a tough one. There's, a, you know, it's the, these different videos and different parts. It's just like scrapbooks. You're like, that trip was fun because I was with this guy and I became friends with this other person on that trip, or we got to see this city in Europe. You know, there's a there's different aspects of like almost every project that I've, you know, that are all memorable and all great. You know, I mean, Anthem Two was uh, that was a fun one. You know, because it's like that group of guys. You know, that's like. I made the video that I wanted to see, you know, and that's okay. not not every not every video, you know, maybe the twelve oh one and the lights out and the first anthem. Those videos were along those lines, but but uh, being able to pull anthem two off and, and having you know like getting that kind of feedback from a lot of people that they, they you know there was oh you know because uh, you weren't the only person that would ask me when when are you going to do an anthem two you know yeah. and like and being able to work with you know just the caliber of writer it's like you know Yagel, you Mikey Jeff Clint you know and like. You know, it's these guys. You know, you guys are all great friends. You know, like it's just you building memories, and it's just that's what it is. It's like yeah. it's a cool memory to have, and and that it resonated with so many people. That was nice. Okay. You know, like like you said, Murphy getting the tattoo. And yeah, stuff, yeah. You know? Like wow, that's pretty. You're stoked on it. That's awesome. That's for know? life, right there. Yeah, that is for life. Um, is there like any one particular part? That you've made, because I remember you were interviewed in a, in a magazine years ago, and I remember the part that you said. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm just curious if you're Ooh, gonna say the same one. Man, I mean, uh, that's a tough one. A part that I made in like a video that was my production. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's a tough one. I don't know if I can say there's any one. You know, I mean, obviously getting to. Even though it was not a lot of film, like the Colin Winkleman part, you know, yeah. like that's one that you know always mean a lot to me. You know, making the Yegel Ye- part is probably the one I can enjoy watching more than any of them. You know, 
Okay. Um, but I mean, Mikey, gosh, you know, like that Mikey part was, <sighs> dude. How it comes out of the intro. I'm yeah, sorry, but yeah. that 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 Mikey part, like, thank you, because <laughs> like like honestly, like obviously Mikey's produced a lot of amazing BMX content over the years, but I feel like there was this weird era where it almost wasn't cool to like film a trail part or a park part or like something of that nature. So like you had guys like Mikey who their strongest, their strongest point was being a park rider or a trail rider and they're like filming street parts because that was what was like, that's what you filmed as a video part at a certain era for whatever reason. So like, I think that Anthem 2 truly captured Mike Aiken's essence and talent more than any other part ever. And like without that, like I feel like his true like energy would have never been captured. So like I feel like Anthem 2 for Mike Aiken and his career and his just general presence is like insanely important and it, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, like it definitely validates like all the influence that he's had on the, yeah, on the, like, the BMX world. It, to me, it's so important. That part is so important, and like I watch that part, and I'm just like, this is why he was the fucking dude. Like, and I, I just feel like without that part, you're it kind of gets lost. Hmm. It, it, what he did would have gotten lost without that part. I yeah. personally feel. I mean. It, honor to work on it like he would always say Stoffer you know like that was one of his biggest oh, yeah. influences oh, yeah. um, I, I will say that it, it, this is before Anthem 2 had, had come out uh -huh. you were like interviewed in a magazine and like they're like what was your favorite video part and you said Isaac McRae you're like oh, one yeah. word style yeah I do I mean yeah it's, and the it's, Rolling Stones and that's song. yeah and that and that's it's a great video part and I love the song but it's just like it's Isaac you know like yeah. I, I've had too many that dude makes he splits my side every time I see him. Yeah, I'm laughing because it's just like you can't not think of him and just not I smile asked, and laugh. And I asked him one night. I was like, "Hey, what do you think Stig would say if I asked him to do a podcast?" And he's like, "I don't know." Like he, he's like, I, "I don't know if he'd be into it." I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's fine." And then I was like, "Well, what if you like co-hosted with me?" He's like, "Nah, he definitely wouldn't." Like he might do it, but it would be like an hour of Stig just ripping. Yeah, into it would. Yeah, Isaac. yeah. But then he was like, "Yeah, you know what?" Uh, Stig would probably do it if Stu was your co-host. Oh, oh, really? He talked about how, yeah. like, uh, you were printing his shirts for a long time and helping Segway. him Segway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it'll ever happen because I'm pretty intimidated by Jason Stig. So, um, no, he's a big teddy bear. Yeah. <laughs> he is, he is. He, um, he likes to act tough. But. but, dude, thank you so much for sharing your story. And thank yeah, you no much, problem. so much for this interview. My pleasure. Um, I really enjoyed it. You know, all of it. This nice. is like a, like Thanks. I said, this is a dream for me. This is great. So oh, I really appreciate it. Shucks. Much appreciated. Appreciate yeah, thank you. I thank appreciate you, it. Thank you, man. See the oil. Yeah, it's been fun. Stu Johnson. Homer. All right. I'm going to shut off the recording. All right.